2: Hello everybody, this is Pepsi Mama, as many of you know me, or Monica, for those of you who don't know me as Pepsi Mama, but Pepsi Mama goes way back, and I am here with my tech geek and sidekick, or some whatever you want to call him, Victor.
3: Hello. Everybody. Are you?
2: Oh, shoot, I was wondering. And welcome to another afternoon radio theater Sunday. And so we want you to hit your notification bells, and uh, we want you to uh, join us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Or whatever podcast player you like, and what we're doing this season is um, what what I should say. Victor is doing; he he does all the technical stuff. Um, I just sit here and let him boss me around. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he is making. Each one of the shows Into its own little podcast And and I think that is just great So Um And at the end of the show I will give you The contact information For um What you'll need To get in touch with us And Um Um for those of you who don't know, who might be tuning in for the first time, uh, I call it afternoon radio theater Sunday, like an ice cream Sunday. And um, you'll notice that what I do is, with each show that I do, it's a layer of my Sunday. So um, I just thought it would be a little, you know, creative way to do it, and. Make y'all have some fun At the same time And the first show That we're going to do Now is called Our Miss Brooks And I just love Eve Arden She plays This um, crazy High school English teacher who gets into All kinds of situations With her students and staff Members And she is um she has the hots for uh, this colleague of hers named Mr. Boynton and um, but you know he just never does seem to quite get it <laughs> and um, Gail Gordon plays the principal of the school named um, Mr. Conklin and she's always in some kind of trouble with Mr. Conklin But this particular show is called Valentine's Day Date, and for my first layer, for my Sunday or whatever you want to call this thing, it's going to be a piece of heart-shaped, yellow cake with white icing and I have red and pink roses going all the way around the heart-shaped cake and um, just just so y'all know for whatever it's worth to you I love roses and my middle name is Rose <laughs> So, kick back and enjoy the show, and let's see what I forgot this time.
4: Pomali Soap, your beauty hope, and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden.
5: (laughs) Our Miss Brooks
4: teaches English at Madison High like many other romantically inclined people, she sent the object of her affections, Madison's bashful biologist, Philip Boynton, an unsigned card for Valentine's Day. And then she sat down to wait for his reply.
6: It wasn't that his reply was long in coming. It just didn't come at all. (laughs) Knowing Mr. Boynton, I wasn't too surprised that he forgot about Valentine's Day, but I was determined to change the locale of our next date. For the past six weeks, we had spent every Friday afternoon at the zoo. Now, I am definitely not anti-animal, but I am a schoolteacher. And hence, after spending three hours in the monkey house, I just can't afford to buy taboo by the court.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I was
6: brooding about it in the school cafeteria on Friday when Harriet Conklin walked over. Mind if I sit down with you, Miss Brooks? Not at all, Harriet. But don't you usually have lunch with Walter Denton?
8: Yes, I do. But he's manager of the basketball team, you know, and he's giving the boys an extra skull practice.
6: Really? Whose skull are they using today?
8: (laughs) I hope you're not expecting Mr. Boynton to have lunch with you, Miss Brooks. He told me he was eating his lunch in the laboratory because he didn't want to leave McDougal alone. Oh, don't tell me that frog
6: is sick again.
8: Not actually sick. It's just spring fever or something. It's kind of fun to have lunch without any men around anyway. Don't you think so, Miss Brooks? Well, yes and no. What do you mean, yes and no? No. (laughs) We haven't had a real woman-to-woman talk in a long time. No, Walter Denton is crazier about me than ever. All I have to do is whistle and he comes running. Really? It's the only way to train them. That's what you want to try with Mr. Boynton. I have, but every time I whistle, he opens
6: his lunchbox. (laughs)
7: Laughter
8: Sometimes his dog-like affection and constant worship becomes absolutely cloying.
6: Well, I wish Mr. Boynton would cloy me once in a
8: while. (laughs) By the way, Harriet, when Walter takes you out on a date, where do you usually... Oh, all sorts of places, Miss Brooks. A drive in the country or a long walk in the park. Or sometimes we go to a movie and hold hands. Do you ever go to the zoo? The zoo? Gosh, No. Except when Mr. Boynton takes us there for his monthly lecture. That's
6: where I've got an edge on you kids. I hear it every week.
8: Well, <laughs> Mr. Boynton takes you to the movies
6: once in a while, doesn't he? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, we went last week. Was it romantic? Oh, extremely. We stood in a crowd of people behind a velvet rope for a while, and then an usher said, there's one down front. Yes? That was the last I saw of Mr. Boynton for three hours. <laughs>
8: I finally got a seat
6: in the balcony.
8: Oh, jolly, that's a shame, Miss Brooks. You couldn't hold hands at all, could you?
6: Not even with the long gloves I was wearing. (laughs) But about those Fridays in the monkey house, Harriet... I'm
8: surprised at you, Miss Brooks. You don't really let Mr. Boynton take you to the monkey house every week, do you?
6: Well, I think it's the monkey house. It can't be the Taj Mahal with all those bananas.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it isn't Madison High's Ferris. May I join this charming bevy
8: of pulchritude? Why, Walter, what a lovely speech. Yes, you are a delightful child, Walter. But if you'll excuse me, Miss Brooks, I'd like to get my entree at the steam table. Oh, can I be of service, fair Harriet? I'll gladly fetch what you want. No, thank you. But if you'll sit up nicely when I return, I'll pass you a the head. Arf, arf. <laughs>
6: Can I get you anything, Miss Brooks? No, thanks, Harriet. Just bring back a roast beef bone and a can of strong Strongheart. <laughs>
9: okay, Harriet.
6: You know, I think it's wonderful
9: the way you kids get along. You're very fond of Harriet, aren't you, Walter? Very. Uh, plus which Harriet's the principal's daughter and I'm manager of the basketball team. And there are things that I can accomplish quicker if I can get to Mr. Conklin without having to go through regulation channels all the time. What's good about getting to Mr. Conklin so fast? Well, I like getting things done fast that need getting done fast. Uh, Like New Jersey's, for instance. Like New Jersey's what, for instance? (laughs) Not New Jersey's anything. New Jersey's for the basketball team. Oh, we need them badly. You do at that. The ones the team wore in their last game looked awfully fuzzy. They didn't wear any in their last game. (laughs) will come through, all right. I'm taking Harriet out on a date tonight, and I can bring it up casually when I see Mr. Conklin at his house. I don't like to suggest a career for you, Walter, but I have a feeling you're going to kiss an awful lot of babies before you're much older. (laughs) Oh, I could never be a politician. I'm too sincere. Oh, but why are we talking about me? You seem to have a problem of your own on your mind, Miss Brooks.
6: Is it that obvious, Walter? I have been thinking about Mr. Boynton, but only in connection with getting him out of the zoo and into my parlor.
9: That shouldn't be too tough. What kind of a web are you spinning? Web? Look, Miss Brooks, at the risk of feeling like a traitor to a fellow male, I'll help you plot Mr. Boynton's overthrow. But frankly, I'm kind of hungry right now. Then why don't you eat, Walter, and we can finish building the bomb after lunch? <laughs> oh, see, there's Mr. LeBlanc, the new French teacher. Oh, ought yeah, to know plenty about romance. He's a real Frenchman. I'll call him over Don't you dare, Walter. When I'm
6: ready to take my case to the United Nations, I'll let you know.
7: <laughs> Besides, I've
9: seen Mr. LeBlanche on dates with Miss Enright lately. So what? Miss Enright goes on dates with anybody. Gosh, every time she sees Mr. Boynton, she makes goo-goo eyes at him. That's not nice, Walter. Miss Enright's eyes are always that way.
7: <laughs> I mean, it's
9: unethical. Unethical is better than lonesome, Miss Brooks. Oh, Mr. LeBlanc. Walter, please. Call me, Walter. Yes. Would you be kind enough to come over here a minute? I'd like to talk to you about something very important.
6: Well, you'd better talk
9: to me, Walter, because
10: I refuse to. I bring my coffee along and.
11: Oh. I'll do you, Miss Brooks.
6: Fine. How do you, Mr. LeBlanc? (laughs) What
11: uh, what did you want to talk to me about, Walter?
6: Oh,
9: it isn't important. I'll see you later.
6: Now, that's what I call a real subtle maneuver.
9: <laughs>
11: he's, a, he's a funny boy, no? No.
7: <laughs> well,
11: now, now it's just you and I, Miss Brooks, eh?
6: I'm afraid it's just you, Mr. LeBlanc. I've got to see Mr. Conklin about something.
11: Mr. Conklin, please, Miss Brooks, I think Mr. Conklin is a fine principal, but do you have to mention him during the lunch period? <laughs>
6: something there. I guess it can wait a while. It's only a question of giving him my weekly dollar.
11: Are you owe him a weekly dollar? For what?
6: It's a long and grim story, but I think I can boil it down to the repulsive essentials. A couple of weeks ago, I took an electric heater of his, connected it in Mr. Boynton's laboratory on an overloaded circuit, and shorted the building, started a small fire, and ruined the heater. Why do you do that? I like sirens. I like sirens. Oh, I didn't do it purposely, Mr. LeBlanc. It was an accident. One for which I'm paying at the rate of a dollar a week. And today's dollar day at Madison.
11: (laughs) Well, that is too bad, Miss Brooks, but it is not money that causes you to look the way you do today.
6: Is there a sign on my forehead? How do I look today?
11: Well, there are only two things that can make a woman have the look you have on your face. Uh, One is an affair of the heart. The other is the meatballs in this cafeteria. (laughs) But but neither of them is insurable, eh? I'm sure.
6: You haven't eaten those meatballs lately. Look, it's nice of you to try and cheer me up, Mr. LeBlanc, Oh, please,
11: but... call me Paul. And I'm not trying to cheer you up. I'm trying to help you. First of all, tell me this. Did you receive any messages on Valentine's Day?
6: Oh, sad. I got one from Zimmerman's Bakery, one from the finance company, a lovely little card from Bertie's Bicycle Shop, in the shape of a pump, that one was. And, uh... Oh, yes, a dandy little poem from Sam, our neighborhood scissor sharpener. I think I remember that one. It went, uh, I've applied my grindstone to shears both old and new, but I never met a scissors one half as sharp as you. <laughs> Wasn't that a peachy sentiment for Valentine's Day?
11: Oh, quite amusing, yes, but not to you, I'm afraid, because you're not in love with Sam the Scissor or Bercy the Bicycle.
6: No, my problem is Boynton the biology. <laughs> Miss
11: Brooks. Since we have taken me into your confidence, I would like to make a suggestion. You must play, how do you say in this country, uh, uh, you must play difficult to acquire.
6: Difficult to acquire? Ah. Oh, you mean hard to get. Mm. Uh-huh.
11: Exactly. <laughs> now, tell me. Tell me the truth. When Mr. Boynton asks you for an engagement, do you ever say no?
6: Well, no. But it isn't just because of Mr. Boynton. I'd hate to disappoint 400 monkeys. LAUGHTER I haven't gone out with him much lately at all
10: Because he do not ask you
6: Well, I like that I
10: am
11: glad Miss Wilkes, there's one way to get a man interested that never fails You must make him gel out
6: i tried that, Mr. LeBlanc But he just, just doesn't gel out very easily
7: Ah,
10: yes, but you've tried it only once That is not enough How do the big American advertising work? A repetition, over and over the same thing. What is it you hear on the radio all the time? Smoker
4: Benny. <laughs> yes, again. Smoker Benny. <laughs> if you repeat this often enough, you know what happens.
6: Yeah, Jack gets pretty burned up. <laughs> no, Mr. LeBlanc, I'm afraid Mr. Boynton is too wrapped up in a frog to pay any attention to me.
11: Oh, but of course, I forget Monsieur LeFrog. <sighs> You know, in France, we have a proverb. Le chemin au cœur d'homme est par son grinelle. Translation? The way to a man's heart is to his frog. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very touching, but I don't
6: see what it has oh, to do. Oh, it's so
11: simple, really. Here you have a man with his little pet, Monsieur le Frog. And here you have a woman with her pet, Mademoiselle la Frog. Now, we convince the man that Monsieur le Frog is
4: lonesome. And where can a poor little frog find companionship? With Mademoiselle La Frog. And when the two little frogs are together, where are the man and the
6: woman? Pricing junior beds for tadpoles.
11: <laughs> no, no, Miss
10: Brooks, no. The man and the woman are also together. Now you know, Miss Brooks, what you have to do to get Mr. Boynton to be a bastion dog, no? Yes, I've got to build a better frog trap.
6: <laughs> look, Mr. LeFrog, uh, LeBlanc. Well, this idea is oh, a little different. Impractic- coming, Miss Brooks? Oh, you look better already. Hello, Walter. Mr. LeBlanche is quite an idea, ma'am. <laughs> we were just discussing a really fantastic scheme. Not only fantastic, but ridiculous and absurd. Walter.
9: Yes, Miss Brooks? Run
6: down to Peterson's pet shop and get me a female frog. <laughs>
4: Starring Eve Arden will continue in just a moment, but first, here is Vern Smith. The makers of Palmolive Soap are giving away $100,000 in prizes. First prize, $49,000, plus over 4,900 other cash prizes in the big 49 Gold Rush Contest. Hundreds will strike it rich in this exciting Gold Rush Contest. One of them may be you. It's easy to enter. Just finish this sentence and 25 additional words or less. I like Palmolive Soap because... That's all. Just 25 words are left to finish the sentence, I like Palmolive soap because... Then mail your entry right away along with a Palmolive soap wrapper. Try for your share of that $100,000 in prizes right now. Your chance of winning $49,000 is as good as anyone. Get entry blank with complete rules from your dealer or write your completed sentence on plain paper. Include your name and address and dealer's name and address. Mail with one Palmolive soap wrapper for each entry to Gold Rush Contest Box 49, New York 8, New York. Better write that down. Gold Rush Contest, Box 49, New York 8, New York. Enter as often as you like, including one wrapper with each entry. Get palm olive soap right away to help win a lovelier complexion and try
11: for your share of the $100,000 in cash prizes. (laughs)
6: I gave Walter my last dollar to buy a female frog, and while he was out getting it, I took advantage of a free period to visit Mr. Boynton in his laboratory. Hello, Mr. Boynton.
7: Oh,
10: hello, Miss Brooks.
6: I just dropped in to say hello, Mr. Boynton. Hello. Well, goodbye, Mr. Boynton. <laughs> oh,
10: don't go yet. I've just been examining McDougal. You know, my frog. He's got me a little worried. He's way off his feet, and... we'll, we'll look at him. <laughs>
6: think his eyes
10: pop out more than usual? What did you say? I, I said, don't you think his eyes pop out more than usual?
6: Yes. For a minute, I thought he was Eddie Cantor. <laughs> Hi, Mac. <laughs> of course, you know what's wrong with Mac, don't you?
10: Uh, no, Miss Brooks, I don't.
6: Well, it's getting very close to spring, and it's just... After all, you raised him from a tadpole, and it's only natural that you should still think of him as your baby, but he's a big boy now.
7: <laughs>
10: what do you mean, Miss Brooks?
6: Well, just this, Mr. Boynton. Did it ever occur to you that Mac gets lonesome all alone in that cage?
10: Oh, I let him out of the cage quite often. He hops all over the lab.
6: But what good is that? He hasn't got any friends here.
10: I don't know. There are always a number of guinea pigs around. Of course, he doesn't pay much attention to them.
6: Well, naturally. Guinea pigs make fine friends for other guinea pigs. A frog might crave a different kind of companionship.
10: Well, what about me? I'm very close to McDougal. I've been his constant companion.
6: If I were a frog, I don't think I'd consider that the ideal arrangement either. Now, I think I'd want something a little more frog-like.
10: What are you getting at, Miss Brooks?
6: Look, did you ever sit down and tell McDougal about the birds and bees?
10: What does he want with birds and bees? He won't even make friends with guinea pigs. (laughs) (laughs)
7: Well,
6: let me put it this way. Mrs. Davis, my landlady, has a cat named Minerva. Now, around this time of the year, Minerva keeps us both awake half the night with an almost incessant yowling.
10: Or have you tried giving her a saucer of milk?
6: That's not what she's yowling about, Mr. Barton. Look, milk's
7: <laughs> very expensive, Mrs. it.
6: Yes, I know. And believe me, if I thought it would quiet her down, I'd give her an autographed picture of Elsie the cow. But it won't. She's yowling because she's lonely.
10: Why, Miss Brooks, I didn't know you were so aware of these biological manifestations. Where did you learn all this?
6: My mama done told me. <laughs> out about a lot of things since I've acquired my pet frog. Pet female frog, that is. Oh,
10: you have a pet frog, Miss Brooks? What's her name?
6: Her name? Uh, Millie. Millie? Yes, from the picture of The Mating of Millie.
7: <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, she's awfully cute, too. <coughs>
10: Well, you think Mac almost understood what you were talking about
6: Well, don't think for a minute he doesn't What do you say, Mac? Would you like to come over and play with Millie this afternoon? <laughs> right. Today you are a man, Frog
10: Well, this is amazing, Miss Brooks
6: <laughs> Look, uh, if you don't
10: mind, I'd like to ask you if... Uh,
6: uh, shine uh, up your hope, Chess Millie, here it comes <laughs>
10: uh, I'd like to ask you, Miss Brooks, uh, how about a, a double date? That is, if you... Well, if there isn't too much trouble
6: Shall we say my place for tea? Splendid Just bring a pogo stick and a deck of cards, Mr. Boynton.
10: A pogo stick and cards?
6: Yes, while Mac and Millie play gin, you and I can have a hopping contest.
7: (laughs) Oh, l'amour, l'amour. Excuse
9: me, Uh, could you come over here to the door a minute, Miss Brooks? I've got to get to my next class.
6: Oh, certainly, Walter. I'll just be a
9: minute, Mr. Boynton. Did you get it, Walter? Yes, in this paper bag, Miss Brooks. Here, thanks. That's okay. I hope it works, Miss Brooks. Well, I'll see you in English.
10: What's in the bag, Miss Brooks?
9: This bag? Oh, just a roast beef sandwich Walter brought
6: me.
10: Well, it's a pretty active one. Look out it's falling out of the bag.
6: Here, here, let me see that. Yeah, I've got him. Oh, Miss Brooks, do you realize what you've got here? Sure, an F R O G. I didn't want to mention it in front of Mac until we got home. Oh, but <laughs> this
10: is a male frog. You, you can always tell. Because in the species Dimorphognathus from West Africa, there's a very apparent dimorphism in the dentition. The male's being provided with a series of large serrated teeth in the lower jaw, which in the female is edentulous.
6: Well, slap me with a wet lily pad. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Boynton, I've got to be running along now. Uh, Why, Miss Brooks? I've got to see a boy about a frog. (laughs) Here,
10: here, I'll put it back in the bag for you. Now, just hold the top tighter and he won't get away again. I I still don't comprehend why you got this male frog.
6: Well, I didn't know how you and McDougal would react to the idea of keeping Millie company, so I thought I'd play safe and get this one, too. Oh,
10: I don't think Mac likes the idea very much. Uh, Don't be jealous, Mac.
6: Let him live his own life. (laughs) We
10: better not come over this afternoon, Miss Brooks. I'm afraid it'll only confuse Mac.
6: Look, Mr. Boynton, I don't care if a frog wants to play hard to get, but there's something I'd like you to remember. What's that, Miss Brooks? Well, I don't want to sound too much like an English teacher, but when one plays hard to get too often, one sometimes don't get got. I'll just take this frog into my room and see how Walter happened to make such well, an awful... Well, there you miss- are, Connie. I've been looking all over for you. Mrs. Davis, what are you doing in the hallowed halls of Madison High?
12: Well, I know how you've been waiting for a Valentine card from Mr. Boynton, and I just had to tell you that all hope isn't lost. But today is Friday, Mrs. Davis. That just is, Connie. Some mail came this morning that should have been delivered Monday. A valentine? No, a bill from the gas company.
6: <laughs> now, that's the nicest bit of sentiment since Sam's scissors.
7: <laughs>
6: they say that if we don't pay it immediately, they'll shut off the gas. Just my luck with Mr. Boynton coming over for tea. It couldn't be the electric company promising to shut off all the lights. No, son. <laughs> and I'm sure some money or I wouldn't bother you in
12: school like this. You know, Minerva cost me a lot lately with her special diet No. Just
6: how much do you need, Mrs. Davis? Well, if you'll forgive a slang expression, one greenback will do it. I just happen to have one on me. He's in this bag here. <laughs> I don't look so alarmed, Mrs. Davis. I'm not cracking up completely. Look, just take this frog back to Peterson's pet shop and they'll refund my dollar. I'll explain why I bought the frog later. You don't have to explain anything to me, Connie. If you want a frog for a pet, it's perfectly all right. But why are you giving it back? To keep the gas on, for one thing. (laughs) Besides, it's a male frog, and I've got to have a female. Well, you don't have to spend any money for that. I'll get you a female frog in the park. I never thought of that. I'd certainly appreciate it, Mrs. Davis. Will you bring it back with you after you've paid the gas bill? Certainly, Connie. And I just know that you'll be very happy together. (laughs) And so, class, you are to have these compositions ready by next Tuesday. That's the end of the period. Class dismissed. Except
9: Walter Denton. Come up to my desk, Walter. Oh, I'm glad you asked me, Miss Brooks. I wanted to explain about that frog. You see, Mr. Peterson was out to lunch when I got to the pet shop, so I got you one out of the park pond. But was it all right? I mean, was she a girl?
6: No, Walter. She was a boy with big serrated teeth in her lower jaw. And what about the dollar I gave you?
9: Oh, here it is, Miss Brooks. <laughs> I didn't have time to give it to you before.
6: Thanks, Walter. That'll be all for now, then. I'd better get over to Mr. Conklin's office and make my payment on that heater. Oh, here
12: I am,
9: Connie. Hello, Walter. Hello, oh, Mrs. Davis. Goodbye, Mrs. Davis.
6: Well, what do you think,
12: Connie? Mr. Peterson didn't sell Walter that frog at all. I know, Mrs. Davis. But he said it was a very good specimen and traded me a lovely female for him. And instead of giving us any money, you promised that when our frog becomes a husband, we'll get the pick of the <laughs> I
6: can hardly wait. But where's the female frog?
12: Oh, I had that in a paper bag, and it seemed very insecure. So I put the
6: frog in a desk across the hall. Nobody saw me. Across the hall? But that's Mr. Conklin's office. Mrs. Davis, you wait right here, and if I'm not back in five minutes, call the coroner. <laughs>
4: Now, what is it? Come in. Oh, it's you, Miss Brooks. Please transact whatever business you have in this office in a hurry. I've got an appointment with the doctor.
6: The doctor? What's the matter, Mr. Conklin?
4: Oh, just a checkup. A lot of nonsense, if you ask me. My wife's been telling him all sorts of foolishness about the state of my nerves. To hear her tell it, I've not only got the world's highest blood pressure, but I'm jumpy, anxious, overwrought. But Mr. Conklin.
7: Don't interrupt! <laughs>
4: And I'm (laughs) ill-tempered. Now, what is it you want?
6: I just want to give you a dollar towards the heater I accidentally injured here.
4: Oh, thanks. Sit down for a minute and I'll give you a receipt. I've got a regular Board of Education receipt book around here somewhere.
6: But, Mr. Conklin, your desk drawer...
4: Please, Miss (laughs) Brooks. Don't tell me where I keep my things. Of course it's in the desk drawer. Let's see now. book should be right over here next to this blotter. Oh, that's funny. That's oh, here it is over by this frog.
7: <laughs> Hello,
4: little frog. <laughs> and Miss Brooks, it won't take a moment to get the receipt.
7: Hello, little frog! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Miss Brooks, where did this monstrous... Do you know anything about this horrible creature? How did this Please, get Please,
6: Mr. Conklin, did... remember the world's highest blood pressure. Never mind
4: that. What is this frog doing in my desk?
6: Calm down, Mr. Conklin. Ours isn't the only school that's overcrowded. <laughs> I thought you'd never get home from school, Connie. How long did Mr. Conklin spend bowling you out? Oh, it seemed like hours, but actually it was only a few minutes. You should have been there when Mr. Conklin and Millie here faced each other across his desk drawer. Poor thing, her heart hasn't stopped beating yet. Neither is yours, Connie. You're as jumpy as Minerva. Are you sure Mr. Boynton said he'd be over for tea? Oh, definitely, Mrs. Davis. I told him all about how lonely Minerva was and compared her to MacDougall. So he's bringing Mac over to meet Millie. It's the first time in weeks we've had a date away from the zoo. Wait oh. Oh, that's Mr. Boynton now. I'll go make the tea, Connie, and you receive him alone. All right, Mrs. Davis, coming. Well, it's nice to see you boys. Come in. Let's go into the living room. Uh,
10: Thank you, Miss Brooks. Uh, Here's something for Millie. It's from McDougal.
6: Oh, I'll open it for her. Well, wasn't that thoughtful of Mac, Millie? Just what you needed, a clump of wilted lettuce. Here, I'll put it in this little box I keep her in.
10: Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess Mac wants to see what Millie looks like.
6: Oh, of course. Here, just hold him up. There we are. Boo, <laughs> This is
7: Mac, Millie.
10: <laughs>
6: <laughs> I think she likes him, but, Miss Brooks, didn't you say you had a cat on the premises? That's right, Minerva. She usually sleeps in the piano during the day. Here, Minerva, come out of the piano. Oh, well, she'll probably wake up in a little while. Sit down, Mr. Boynton.
10: Oh, before I do, don't you want to open this big box?
6: For me? Well, what in the world can this be? Yeah.
10: It's a cat, Miss Brooks. I brought him over to keep Minerva company. Yeah.
7: Oh,
6: well, here comes Minerva now. like each other <laughs> too. Miss Brooks,
10: Miss Brooks, where are you going?
6: You know where I'm going. I'll meet you by the third monkey from the left.
7: <laughs> Martin, as our
4: Miss Brooks returns in just a moment, but first...
5: Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight,
11: show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only Lustre Cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Lustre Cream. Not a soap, not a liquid, but a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanent. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a...
5: Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream Girl. You owe your crowning glory to a Luster Cream Shampoo.
6: And
0: now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks.
6: Well, Mr. Boynton finally took McDougal and his cat and left. Mrs. Davis and I had dinner, and then we sat down in the living room to spend a quiet evening. Minerva went back to sleep, and everything was nice and peaceful when the phone rang. (laughs) Lie down, Minerva. It's not for you. (laughs) Hello? Hello? Oh, I'm sorry, Minerva. It is for you. (laughs) Next week, tune in to
4: another Our Miss Brooks show, brought to you by Palmolive soap, your beauty hope, and luster cream shampoo
0: for soft, glamorous, corruptible hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch.
11: Here's good shaving news. Three men out of every four can get more comfortable, actually smoother shaves with Palmolive Bustless shaving cream. This is not just a claim. Here's the proof. 1,297 men tried the palm olive brushless way to shave described on the tube. And no matter how they shaved before, three men out of every four got more comfortable, actually smoother shaves. Try palm olive brushless yourself. See if you don't get more comfortable, actually smoother shaves, the proved palm olive brushless
13: way.
4: sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mister and Missus North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evenings over most of these stations, and be with us again next week at this time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: on this next one it's called Wayside Theater and I love all these theaters that they had in old time radio. Um, you had theater of romance, you had Lux Theater, you had Theater Five, you had um, Damon Run Damon Runyon Theater, you had oh Lord Family Theater, which is one of my very favorites. Um, And like Victor always asks me, what's not your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) But this one is called Romance in Old Monterey. And now we'll get to the second layer of my Sunday or treat or whatever it is, and I am going to put some Neapolitan ice cream on top of the heart-shaped cake with the roses, and Neapolitan, I don't know why they call it that, but... All it is, is just a carton that has strawberry, chocolate, and vanilla ice cream. And that one is actually my favorite, except for black walnut ice cream I love. So, that is going on top Of the cake and all the flowers and so I hope y'all enjoy this one, Romance in Old Monterey.
14: The Chicago Motor Club presents the Wayside Theater. Welcome to the Wayside Theater, ladies and gentlemen. Each Sunday evening, enthusiastic playgoers dial their way to the play of the week, sponsored for your entertainment by the Chicago Motor Club. The presentations are always different, sometimes a comedy, sometimes a stirring romance, and occasionally a real mystery thriller. But always an interesting original play written especially for the Wayside Theater. Your host, the Chicago Motor Club, varies its radio entertainment in much the same way its services to 70,000 member families are varied. The club takes into consideration the many sided requirements of automobile owners and satisfies those requirements by means of 26 money saving services. There's no reason why you shouldn't enjoy those benefits too. At least you'll want to find out about them. They're explained fully and simply in a free booklet which is yours for the asking. Just call Franklin 1818 right after this broadcast or send your name and address on a penny postcard to the Chicago Motor Club, Chicago, or its nearest branch office. Tonight, we're going to take you back to romantic and colorful days in the thrilling history of early California. The time is 1847. It's an era of long-ago, unrestrained, quick-tempered, intensely dramatic, thoroughly fascinating. The play of the week, ladies and gentlemen, is written by Virginia Safford and entitled Romance in Old Monterey. It is presented now as the curtain rises in the Chicago Motor Club Wayside Theater.
15: Even get to Monterey, oh. Oh, mercy. Miss Matilda, if you'd hold on to the side of the coat. Oh, I've never been so jolted and all. Oh, these drivers are crazy. That's what they are. Surely we'll be there before long now. Miss Matilda, was it foolish not to let Caleb and Uncle John know? Oh, arriving a whole week early, we'll probably find them both away. But it did seem so romantic to surprise them. Well, it's too late to worry now. What's bothering me is those fool drivers. Why have they got shotguns across their knees? Dear nose, unless it's just one of the Western customs. Oh, I suppose I might just as well get used to these queer ways. But, Miss Matilda, you're returning to Connecticut as soon as Caleb and I are married. So... Emily, you might just as well know before we get there that I intend to stay in Monterey. I'm going to open a shop for the soldiers. Why, how wonderful. But... But do gentlewomen ever go into
9: trade? Oh, rubbish. I'm just going to do mending and give them
15: treats of pies and cakes. High time someone did. I think it's terribly romantic. Oh, Miss Matilda, it'd be so much fun to help you in your little shop. (laughs) Wonder what Captain Caleb Grayson and Governor John Bennett would say to that. (laughs) Anyway, where will you get the time? But surely Caleb won't expect to be married immediately... Why I haven't even seen him since I was a little girl. <laughs> you know more than that now. <laughs> I know. It fair takes my breath away to think that Caleb has asked me to share his wonderful future.
16: Open! Oh, Oh, oh. 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 oh, oh.
15: We're stopping. Oh, what's happened to us? Senores, throw down your gun! Oh, gracious, Peter! They must be Spaniards. And they're wearing masks. Emily, get down here on the floor. What'll <laughs> they do? Oh, us? we'll be murdered. I knew we'd be murdered.
14: Josefa,
3: bring la senorita from the court. left. Please, oh. si, si, senor. Senorita, diablo, senor, look. There are two of them.
1: Caracoles, bring them both then, and be quick. Senor, que senora. We'd
15: better do as they say. We will come. We're getting out.
1: So, and which of you is la senorita Emily Rogers? The intended bride of Captain Grayson?
17: Well, I... You?
1: You, the captain's bride? Oh, so young. So beautiful. Oh, but come, we waste time. One, lift la senorita up to my horse. Andale. Yes, yeah, si. oh, no. oh, no. 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 Don't do
16: that. No. Let me go. Oh, let me down from
1: here. quiet, senorita. Josefa, si. put the senora back into
3: the
16: court. Come, senora. Oh.
3: You go back in the court. No,
1: no you let pizza. go of me. I won't <laughs>
16: get
8: back in that court. Put me down. What's that? make Diablo,
3: she claws like a wild Ah, Oh,
8: Mr. Tilda. Oh, oh, you wicked penis. Wh-
3: whip the horses.
1: Send the coach away. Oh,
7: you.
1: Pass for the horses. Where are you
7: taking
1: me? We go to my hacienda, senorita. You will be my honored guest. <laughs> Senorita... The dancing of my servants does not amuse you. Or perhaps the night air is too cheap. Hmm?
15: Do you think I want to be amused?
1: What, well, senorita, you are my guest.
15: Why have you done this? Who are you?
1: To you, senorita, I am just Ramon.
15: But how did you know who I am? And that our coach was arriving. Ah,
1: a Spaniard knows many ways to accomplish what he wants.
15: But what is it you want?
1: Bueno, Perhaps I can make you understand a little. I have four years in Mexico City at the university. Two months ago, I returned to Monterey. Everything is changed.
15: Naturally, the Americans have done a great deal Senorita, to
1: Senorita, of your Americanos, there are two kinds good and bad. The bad ones take our land, plunder our ranchos, rob us of our cattle. My people, they are gay, happy children. They cannot see what lies ahead in the future if these bad ones gain still more power.
15: But what can you gain by keeping me here? My uncle is the governor. He'll send troops Ah, to... Ah,
1: no, senorita. The governor, Bennett, is away on business at the Pueblo of Los Angeles. Oh,
15: but... But Captain Grayson will find me.
1: See? it is that for which we wait.
15: You want Caleb and his men to come here?
1: The captain will come alone, senorita. And long before this, he should be here.
3: Caleb is coming here?
15: See?
1: That is the plan, Senorita. The captain will come alone because me? I tell him to. Then he and I will make the bargain.
8: Senor Ramon,
14: Pedro has returned.
1: Why has he been so long? Uh, senor Ramon. Pedro, tell me. You delivered the message to the captain? No, Senor, I could not deliver the message. What? The captain go away from Monterey yesterday. But he will return. Not for two, maybe three days. Oh, we wait then. We try again.
3: No, no, senor. The old senora, she roused the town. The troops search the countryside. Soon they will be here. Well, then the old plan has failed. If we cross swords with the troops, we show our
1: hand, everything will be ruined. One, bring the horses. You and Josefa accompany la senorita within one half mile of Monterey. Make certain she is safe. Then meet me at the usual place near Rancho Santa Margarita. Ah, si, si,
3: pronto.
15: You're going to let me go? You're sending me back?
1: Si, Senorita Emilita Rogers. I make the mistake. Another time I seek the meeting with the captain. I ask your pardon that you suffer without need.
15: But I haven't suffered. Indeed, you've been very kind
1: Everything
7: to me. is ready, Senor.
1: Bueno. Senorita... It is too bad that first we meet like this. Perhaps if. Uh, but there is need for haste. You allow me.
15: Oh, thank you. But Ramon, what will happen to you?
1: Quien hmm? sabe? That we learn later, perhaps. But now you must go. Adios, little Emilita. Perhaps we meet again soon. Quien sabe?
14: And so ends the first act in the Wayside Theater production of Romance in Old Monterey. If you're thinking about buying an automobile, either new or used, you'll be interested in this little scene between young Tommy Taylor and his wife Betty. They have an important date this evening, and they're dressed in their best for the big event. Let's listen as they're coming out of their house.
13: Gee, you look wonderful tonight, Betts.
15: You're looking pretty fancy yourself, Mr. Taylor.
13: Wouldn't it be swell if we didn't have to ride a crowded street car?
15: Oh, of course it would, but I don't mind, dear. Well, I know it's a lot of trouble to finance a car these days.
13: Maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Say, wouldn't it be great if that snug little sedan there belonged to me?
15: Now, don't be daydreaming. Come on, we've got to hurry.
13: Oh, how about driving our own car?
16: Our own? Well, how, when did you? Yes,
13: sir, she's all ours. And talk about an easy way to buy a car and at the lowest possible cost.
15: Explain yourself, young man.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Ever hear of the Chicago Motor Club? Certainly. Well, I had the club to thank for a really convenient method of buying a car. I talked to the automobile finance department and honestly, Bets, I never heard of such a swell deal in my life. I had no idea a man could save so much trouble and red tape and dollars on buying a new car. Would you believe it? I saved $25 just because a friend of mine told me about the service and protection
14: he got through the Club Automobile Finance Department.
15: Oh, isn't it wonderful, Tommy? Aren't
16: you proud?
14: You just bet he's proud. And so were thousands of other car owners who have consulted the Automobile Finance Department of the Chicago Motor Club before they bought their new or used cars. You see, this 32-year-old club is dedicated to the motoring enjoyment of you and your family. And it's the club's pleasant job to see that you get the most for your money. Better get that free booklet right away. Your name and address on a penny postcard is all you need. Just send it to the Chicago Motor Club, Chicago, or its nearest branch office. Or call Franklin 1818 right after this program. No charge or obligation, just valuable information, free. Information on many club services that save you many dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, the curtain rises on the second act of Romance in Old Monterey.
15: Emily, what's come over you? You've been moaning around ever But it's just that... Oh, I don't want to be married right away. Oh, rubbish. Now get back out there in the shop. What'll Caleb think? Very well, Miss Matilda. Well, if I don't get these pies in, we'll never get the shop open this afternoon. We're so terribly busy this morning, Caleb.
3: Emily, right now I want it thoroughly understood that I shan't permit you to wait upon trade when the shop opens.
15: But, Caleb, i we
3: won't argue the matter, my dear child. Now, Emily, the essential thing right now is to find out where these ruffians took you.
15: But, Caleb, I told you I don't know.
3: If they only knew who the men were... But I'll find them, Emily. And before I'm through, I'll rid California of every one of these worthless, ignorant Spaniards.
15: But, Caleb, I am safe. I came to no harm. It's
3: regrettable that I was absent when the coach arrived. I was trying to capture some cattle rustlers.
15: The Americans who've been stealing all the cattle?
3: Americans? What gave you that idea? Well, the Spaniards. A band of cutthroat Spaniards seeking revenge. Oh. My dear, it is best that we be married once so that I may give you my full protection. But. Further delay is ridiculous.
15: But shouldn't we wait until Uncle John returns? We wouldn't want to displease him, Caleb.
3: No, that's true. I count a great deal upon the governor's friendship to further my. Buenos dias, senorita. (gasps) Why. uh, What do you mean by coming in here? This shop isn't open yet. uh,
15: Caleb, please. The gentleman is our first customer. Good morning, sir. What can I do for you?
3: And so this is the great
1: Captain Grayson, eh? And well, just what... D- uh, he...
15: Did you uh, want to buy something, sir?
1: What's this, senorita? Uh,
15: perhaps something here on the counter, please. Ah. what
1: is this little silk book, senorita?
15: We call that a housewife. You see, it opens up, and inside is thread and... And
1: pins and needles and buttons. But this is very clever. Senorita... You yourself employed these pretty red rose on the cover? You
3: may? I forbid you to wait upon this Mexican.
15: about of?
3: But I do not mind, senorita.
1: I am glad the captain is here. I wish to ask him an important question. Senor, do you think a rancho Santa Margarita will be raided by cattle rustlers soon?
3: Why do you think
1: that it will be raided? Gensaver. Hmm? Perhaps because it is the only rancho that so far escaped. Perhaps because its owner is away. Uh, what do you think, senor? Give me your opinion. You seem to know a lot about it. One hears many things in the plaza, senor. But, pardon, senorita, I keep you waiting. Mm, give me that needlebook. But, secondly, if the captain wish to examine it. Here's ten cents. That's enough.
15: But, Caleb, he...
1: Surely the captain did not understand I myself. Never
15: mind. I have another one. If you really want one, I... See? They're just
1: alike. Hmm. Perhaps the captain wished this one, too. Go on, buy it and get out of here. Muchas gracias, senor. The gallant captain gives ten cents. But to me, the little needle book with the red rose, la señorita embroidered, is worth... So.
15: But I couldn't take a whole dollar. Take it
3: and get through with him. Or perhaps he wants me to escort him off the premises. See? If the captain
1: is ready to depart, bueno, we go together. Adios, senorita, and muchas gracias. Always I keep the little needle book with me and think of you. Why, you insolent.
15: Go now, sir. Before.
1: Come, captain. After you, senor. Oh, no. Ah, the good soldier does not expose the back to the enemy, eh? And now, senor, which way you go? Why I. Oh, that is too bad. Me? I go this way. Adios, senorita. Hasta la vista. <laughs> The
15: senorita, Emilita. Oh, Ramon, I've asked you please not to come here anymore.
1: But, Emilita, the day before yesterday, I bring my serape for you to mend.
15: It really wasn't torn.
1: Yesterday, it is necessary that I come and get it. And today? Today, I am very galoso. Are you saying, Americano, I have these sweet teeth? Oh, senorita, i become so hungry for little cookies.
15: Ramon, if you don't stop this, I... I'll tell Captain Grayson who you really are.
1: What, Emilita? You do not know who I really am.
15: That wasn't what I meant.
1: Emilita, why is it that you have not already told the captain it was I who shot?
18: <sighs> Miss Matilda is in back.
1: Is it that you love the captain too so much? Or is it that you love me so much?
15: Oh, well, how dare you say that? Apparently, you don't know that Captain Grayson and I are to be married on Thursday. When my uncle returns.
1: Thursday, But that is the day after tomorrow. That is so soon. Then we say adios the day after mañana?
19: Yes.
1: Emilita, before I lose you forever, give me one day. Come with me mañana. We will ride in the hills. I will show you my California. For one day I will bring sunshine into your heart. Laughter to your lips and into those big blue eyes.
15: Ramon, please, you know I couldn't.
1: Mañana at noon I come for you here. But
15: you mustn't come here anymore. It's too dangerous. Then
1: I send a horse for you. I can't. You will come. I will be waiting. Hasta mañana at noon, Emelita. Adios.
15: I'll never get this hem pinned up. Miss Matilda, what time is it? Well, past noon,
9: I think. I put my pies in at ten of. Why honor if you should take this sudden notion to have. Me. I was yeah. so
15: afraid my dress wouldn't be finished by tomorrow. Oh, it is lovely, isn't it? Now, stand still. I always say there's something about white satin. Oh now, who left that horse hitched up in the backyard? He's been there for half an hour. Dear nose, Miss Matilda. Oh, are you through? Yes, now take it off. Oh no, let's Let's try on my veil, too.
7: <gasps>
15: What's that? Oh, I'll see. I'll... Don't move now, now. The pins will fall out. Uh,
14: Captain Grayson sent this note to Miss Emily Rogers.
15: Oh, thank you. Good day. Did he say, from Caleb? Yes. Gracious Peter, if anything's happened, I was such bad luck to postpone a wedding. <gasps> oh, why? Yeah, what is it saying? But it couldn't be. This Matilda. I must see. Oh, he may have gone by now.
16: Emily! I can't stop
7: to explain. Oh, this his fault.
14: Emily! Emily, come back here. You'll ruin that dress. Emily! The second act of Romance in Old Monterey comes to a close. Back in 1920, when the Chicago Motor Club installed its emergency road service, it was met with the kind of enthusiasm that's mighty hard to equal. But this enthusiasm has been equaled by a more recent service, and then some. No other service has won more public approval than the club's automobile finance department. And Mr. and Mrs. Public are the best judges in the world about things like that, especially in these days when every penny saved is well worth the effort. But it's not pennies you save in this case. It's dollars. Just listen to this. Through the club's expert knowledge of every possible way to benefit motorists and through arrangements which the club has made, you may now finance the purchase of a new or used car and get the friendliest money-saving service you've ever had. Why, many car owners have saved as much as $25 on the purchase of a car. That's what I call a wonderful deal. And it's yours for the asking through the Automobile Finance Department of the Chicago Motor Club. And now, here's the quickest way to learn about not only that service, but also 25 other money-saving benefits. Just send your name and address to the Chicago Motor Club, Chicago, or its nearest branch office, or pick up the phone and call Franklin 1818. The club's free booklet, one of the most interesting, straightforward booklets you've ever read, will be yours without charge or obligations. on the Wayside Theater production of Romance in Old Monterey.
3: Ramon, oh Ramon! Hola! Oh, I knew you'd come,
1: Catamia. If I wait long enough...
15: Raymond, something terrible has happened. The rancho Santa Margarita was raided last night. See, si,
1: see, si, I know that.
15: Caleb sent me a note. He says he has definite proof that... that you raided the ranch. What? That you are the cattle thief.
1: The captain has proved that you I am... You must go.
15: You'll be captured. They'll shoot you. Hey,
1: Melita, I must tell Don't you... Don't
15: stop for anything. Just go quickly, you... <gasps> Listen. See. Si. Listen, Raymond, what's that?
1: Horses. Look, down the road.
15: Caleb. Caleb and a posse.
1: Oh, he sends him north, then he follows. Very clever.
8: Oh. oh, don't let him capture you, Ramon.
1: Adios, Nino Mia. Until we meet again soon.
8: Ale, ale, Hola, chico. Caleb, don't shoot. Make
7: them stop. Them off, Down. Get them off, son. Now. You got him. Oh, Raymond. Oh, Caleb, you let them kill him.
3: Emily, are you all right?
7: Oh, how could you do this? Here,
3: Oh! come him across the horse lodge and we take him back to town. Tell let's to go to him. He's wounded He needs A me. look, sir, Emily. Have you entirely lost your senses? But he is indeed. I told you I had proof. Here, look. Perhaps this will. Nothing
16: could convince. Where did you?
3: The needle book was found early this morning, just outside the open corral gates of the Santa Margarita Ranch. Do you still refuse to be convinced, my dear Emily? Oh. prisoner refuses to admit the needlebook book is his property. Your niece has identified it. I myself was present when he purchased it from her. In fact, I purchased one like it. Must further time be wasted on this worthless cattle rustler? No. No, Captain
14: Grayson. I think
3: we need... Uncle not...
15: John, you promised him a fair trial. But
3: he's offered no proof that he did Uncle not... Uncle
15: John, may I see the needlebook again, please? But
14: well, uh, has very already... Very well, very well, my dear, if you wish.
15: Thank you. I thought perhaps Uncle John, look. This is not the needlebook Ramon purchased. Hey,
3: Imelita. Why, just a moment ago, you I said. I know, but
15: I was wrong. This isn't the one. The rose embroidered on the one Ramon bought had but one green leaf. This has two green leaves. This is the one Caleb bought. Hey, Imelita.
3: Preposterous. Wait, sir. Are you sure, my dear?
15: Yes, see? There's also a slight defect in the rose petal. I remember. Uncle John, this is Caleb's. It isn't Ramon's. But now
3: wait. This was found outside the corral gates. Do you realize what you're implying? But that isn't mine. It couldn't be. Why, I
1: haven't been near the... And the captain can produce for us the one he purchased.
3: Governor Bennett, will you dispatch an orderly at once to my quarters to... But,
15: Caleb, have you forgotten? You told me you'd lost yours.
3: Why, why, that's right, I did. But uh, this is not the one I lost. <laughs> why, this is ridiculous. Yeah, the captain laughed from
1: the teeth out, I think. Why, you... Excellent, yeah. I think now, thanks to La senorita, I can speak and you will not brush away my word. I am Ramon de Vasquez de Gonzalez. Don Miguel of the Rancho Santa Margarita is my grandfather. Ramon. Impossible. Oh, don Miguel of the Santa Margarita Ranch. Si, Excelencia. My grandfather sent for me to protect his interests here in Monterey. Yes, but why didn't you
3: tell us why you kept silent, man?
1: Ah, what good to tell who I am unless I can show you the real deal? And now, perhaps the Captain will tell us why the man who sold the stolen cattle to my very good friend in San Joaquin Valley so strangely resembled the Captain. That's a lie. Captain,
3: your plan to place the blame on me has failed. Captain Grayson, I've known for some time you would stop at nothing to gain power here in California. So you don't believe this lying spider? I am compelled to believe him. I've been suspicious of you before, Grayson. But I thought if I gave you free reign. But, Governor, Captain Grayson, I shall have you placed under arrest. You can't do this. I'm i innocent. Ah, Excellencia, if I had only come to you at the first. You fools. You can never prove this.
15: Ramon, take care.
3: Grayson, I command you to drop that gun. All of you, stay where you are. Quick, stop it. You'll never take me.
7: I told you.
1: Dear one.
15: Ramon, are you all right?
1: Si, Emilita. And I come as soon as I can. Caleb? Oh, the posse does not give up. But me? I think we see the last of the captain.
15: But all the cattle, Ramon? Can you get it back from that man you said you knew?
1: Ah, uh, that, Emilita, was what you say in Americano, the big bluff. But we get the cattle again, I think, anyway.
3: You tricked him.
1: Si, senorita of the big blue eyes. And now it is time I ask two questions of you.
15: Two questions?
1: See, si. First, why did you tell his excellencia, your uncle, the governor, the book of the pins and needles was not mine?
15: Why? Well, because... Just because... You I...
1: were very monkey. But I... You knew it was mine, Emilita. But
15: I had to do something. And then when I saw Caleb's face, you see, he really had lost his, and, oh, I fear it was very wicked of me. Poor Caleb.
1: Emilita. One time I say to you, there are good mercanos and bad ones.
15: It was that night at your hacienda. I understand now, Ramon.
1: Bueno. And now we come to the second question. Niña mía, will you teach me to be the good Americano? Why, I... Ah, querida mía. Your big blue eyes say the answers to all these questions I ask.
15: Ramon, Please. No,
1: you mustn't My little Enrico, I love you. You are for me everything. Ramon. is
15: there a the customer at
1: this hour? Oh. Sí, si, señora, you have the customer. Not today, not mañana, but for all the time. Buenas noches, señora.
15: Gracious Peter.
8: (laughs) Bruno Snapses, senior.
14: And so ends Romance in Old Monterey, presented by the Chicago Motor Club in the Wayside Theater. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, the Wayside Theater will bring to you a play behind the play. By that, I mean an exciting and amusing drama of what goes on behind the scenes. A New York producer is caught in a whirlpool of troubles and worries that always seem to accompany the production of a big Broadway play. In the midst of it all, his father and mother arrive for a visit. The star of his show rebels, and his problems reach a climax of headaches for him and entertainment for you. Be sure and tune in on this play of the week entitled Ma and Pa Play Cupid. And now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that special offer I mentioned a while ago, that valuable free booklet which the Chicago Motor Club has prepared especially for you. Learn how 70,000 member families have ended motoring worries and are saving money right at the same time. Just send your name and address on a penny postcard to the Chicago Motor Club, Chicago, or its nearest branch office. And by the way, if you live in Chicago, there are special night operators on duty to take care of your request for that free booklet this evening. If you'll just pick up your phone and call Franklin1818. theater play tonight starred Patricia Dunlap and Olin Soleil with Ethel Owen, Michael Romano, Bill Boucher, Carolyn McKay, and Brett Morrison. This is Vern Smith speaking for the Chicago Motor Club. This is the WBBM Air Theater, Wrigley Building, Chicago.
2: I hope y'all enjoyed that one. Hope it got you in the Valentine spirit. And This next one is another theater. This next one is called Theater of Romance, and it is A Lady in Love. And for that one, I'm going to take and put some candy Valentine hearts, you know, the little things like we used to get when we were kids and the little boxes. Uh, the little candy hearts. I'm going to get those and I'm going to put those as my next layer. So enjoy A Lady in Love.
11: Colombia brings you romance. Tonight a lady in love, the story of a small town girl who is forced to choose between two kinds of love. And here is Frank Gallup to set the stage for tonight's tale of romance. Good evening ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Romance. Once again, we're ready to guide you through the pages of a most unusual love story. Tonight, we bring you Marion Shockley as Linda Brown, the lady who was loved by two men. Blaine Cordner as Clem Richards, one of the handsomest men in her life. And Bill Quinn as the happy-go-lucky Johnny Day. A Lady in Love was adapted by Jean Holloway from the McCall's Magazine story by Eleanor Tighe. Romance is where you find it And if you find it in a small town As Linda Brown did You must expect it to be scrutinized And talked about For such is the way of small towns As Linda Brown discovered When she came to the town of Brookfield She came there to direct the recreational center And to take care of any other little item The local citizenry might desire to classify as recreation She was lonely and friendless So, when she met Clem Richards, well, things began to happen. Things that she herself didn't altogether understand.
20: Hey, look at that water down there. Doesn't that look wonderful? If I wasn't so starved, I'd dive in right now. What do you say we eat? Billy, we just got here. You aren't supposed to eat your picnic lunch at 10.30. Yeah, but I'm hungry. Couldn't I have just one small piece of chicken, Linda?
18: Not a scrap till lunchtime.
20: Well, lunch is hours away. Well, there won't be anything left of me by then. What kind of a girl are you to bring on a picnic anyhow?
18: You tell me.
20: All right, I will. You're the right kind. The only kind.
18: Linda, I'm afraid I'm
20: falling terribly in love with you. Do you mind?
18: Please, Clem, I wish you hadn't said that. I hardly know you. I hardly know myself in these new surroundings. Everything's so new and so strange.
20: Well, you get used to it, Linda? In no time at all you love Brookfield and you love me.
18: You seem awfully sure of yourself
20: No, I, I'm not really, but I can tell you this: Give me half a chance and I'll sweep you off your feet. I'll take you to dances, parties, picnics, movies, dinners, more parties. <laughs> Like something out of my dreams. You know this song, Linda?
7: And under
20: the sun. In the silence of my lonely room.
3: I think of you
20: night and day. That's my song for you, Linda.
18: Don't hold me so close. People are looking at us.
20: Well, I don't care. Do you?
18: Yes, a little. I don't think it's any of people's business how we feel. I don't think we should make a display of our emotions.
20: Oh, darling, you're so old-fashioned. What do people matter? I can't possibly hold you in my arms and pretend that I'm not in love with you. If that's what you want, we'd better stop dancing. Want to stop, Linda?
18: I don't know. I'm so confused. All I know is that I don't want to be lonely again. I don't want to be all by myself as I was when I first came to Brookfield. If that's the alternative. I never want to stop dancing with you, Clem. I don't want to stop ever.
5: Well,
20: Linda, if you're not a sight for sore eyes sitting there on your front porch in a white dress on a Sunday morning, I've been to church.
18: I'll bet that's more than you can say. It
20: is indeed. You know why I came
18: over this morning? Is it because you've been coming over here every Sunday morning for the past two months?
20: Precisely. I'm a creature of habit, and you're getting to be a habit with me, Linda.
18: (laughs) Bad or good?
20: Ah, I'll never tell you. (laughs) I want you to worry about it. Oh, Linda, I love you so much. So doggone much, I I can't stand to be away from you even for a minute. Once more, Linda, will you marry me?
18: Marry you, Clem? I wish you hadn't asked me that again. You've been so faithful, a wonderful friend. So wonderful, in fact, that I... I can't just keep putting you off. Have to give you an answer. Yes, Linda? You've been so sweet, Clem. Yes, I'll marry you. Oh, Linda. Please, Clem. Just a minute until Mrs. Patterson has gone by.
21: Clem? Clem, Mr. You'll want it down at the newspaper office right away.
20: Well, thank you, Miss Patterson. I'll go right down. I'm sorry I have to go, Linda. I'll be back
21: as soon as I can. All I'll... right. Go so long. Won't you come up and sit down, Mrs. Patterson? I think not, Linda. Good
18: day. Mrs. Patterson, just a moment. You and I used to be fairly good friends, but you've changed. Why? Have I done anything to offend you?
21: I'm afraid I could never be very friendly with any woman who chose to run around with a married man, Miss Brown. A married man? What are you talking about? You must know Clem Richards is married. It's common knowledge in town. Why, he has a child, a little boy. Clem? Married. Why he never told me. Oh, it can't be true. Ask anyone in town. Ask anyone in town.
18: Well, Clem?
20: Well, what can I say, Linda? It's true. I am married.
18: Why didn't you tell me?
20: I don't know. At first, it wasn't important. Then when it was important, I meant to tell you, but I kept putting it off one more day. I kept thinking, well, we'll have just one more day, and then I'll tell her. We were having such fun, Linda.
18: Fun? How could you possibly have been having fun, living a lie, making me live a lie, too?
20: Well, maybe fun isn't the right word. Maybe what I meant to say is we were living such beautiful, untouched days that I wanted to keep the world shut out. Just a little longer.
18: I feel so cheap. So humiliated. Running around with a married man. I've never done things like that. I I despise you for tricking me into it.
20: I love you, Linda.
18: Couldn't love me and do this to me.
20: Linda, you're old enough to know that we don't always do the wise thing, the right thing. Sometimes if we want to think badly enough, we'll do anything to get it. Lie, steal, cheat, Linda. In my case, I did none of those things because morally I'm free. Though technically I'm not. You see, Linda, my wife and I are separated. We have been for years. We have a son, Dickie. He's at school at Salisbury. I go to see him once a week. It was because of him that Doris and I decided not to get a divorce until one or the other wanted to marry again.
18: Have have you asked her for a divorce?
20: I wrote her last week. Oh, please see this through with me, darling. In all my life, I've never felt about anyone the way I feel about you. I'll try very hard to make you happy. I think I could, Linda. Well?
18: I don't know. I don't know what to say.
20: Well, it's up to you, Linda. If you want it that way, I'll walk out of this room and out of your life. And I'll never try in any way to see you again. You're so quiet. What are you thinking, Linda?
18: I was thinking how lonely I'd be without you.
20: Oh, my darling. My darling.
18: It can't be wrong. Not when everything's over between you and your wife, anyhow. Oh, Clem, I don't suppose right now I'm a good judge of what is right or wrong. I only know that without you, there's nothing.
20: It's not going to be easy for you, Linda. People are talking now. They'll talk more.
18: I'll try not to care about people. Won't let myself think about it. Maybe they'll get tired of talking about us and leave us
15: alone. tell you, I saw Clem Richards and Linda Brown over in Baltimore last
7: week,
9: walking around bold as brass, holding hands. I think she ought to be set straight on a few things. After all, she's teaching in a nursery school, isn't she?
8: Now, John, the town council will be voting on Miss Brown's contract in a few weeks, and I want you to see that it isn't renewed. No girl can run around with a married man the way she's been doing and get away with it. It's time she found that
7: out.
9: Well, I, for one, think that all of us should cut her dead when we meet her on the street. She isn't fit for decent people to associate with. The sooner we get her out of town, the better off we'll be.
20: Hello, Linda. Where are you going?
18: Oh, hello, Clem. I was just on my way into the antique shop.
20: Well, stop and talk to me for a minute, will you? Well, what's new?
18: Clem, did you know the mayor told me that four of the trustees have refused to sign my contract for next year? They're trying to take my job away from me.
20: Oh, please, Linda, don't take it all so seriously. The contract will go through all right. Where else will they get anyone to work as hard as you've worked?
18: I'm afraid they've reached the point where they aren't interested in how hard I've worked.
20: Well, I'm fed up with this town. You and I have worked darn hard for it, and what do we get? A nice big kick in the teeth.
18: You look tired, Clem. Are you tired? A little. You know
20: what's wrong with us? We're not having any fun.
18: We'll have fun again.
20: (laughs) I wonder. You want to call it quits, Linda?
18: Whatever made you say a thing like that? Is it beginning to get you too?
20: No. No, no, it's not that. We've had such a punk time of it lately. Now, darling, give me your hand. Let's not let the town get us down. We'll work our lives out in spite of them.
19: Hi, Clem.
20: Hello, Johnny.
18: Who is that that just went inside the antique shop?
20: Johnny Day. He's Mrs. Patterson's son, the offspring of a very romantic first marriage. He's the apple of her eye.
18: Does he live in Brookfield? Sure.
20: Been in the Air Force. Just got sent home with a game leg. That's why you haven't seen him around. Well, I have a story to track down for the newspapers. Want to come along?
18: Not tonight, Clem. think I'll browse around the antique shop a little and then turn in early.
20: Okay. Good night, sweet.
18: Good night, Clem.
19: I beg your pardon? Yes? That pickle jar you're holding, are you uh, interested in it? <sighs> I might
18: ask you the same question about the one you're holding.
19: Well, then I should have to answer yes and no because I'm not yet prepared to commit myself.
7: Oh.
19: You must be new around here. You go very well with the scenery, I might say. You haven't any stockings on. Aren't you afraid of catching cold?
18: I have on liquid stockings because of the war. If it weren't for the war, I can assure you I'd have on the regulation variety. And I don't see that it's any of your
19: business. (laughs) I beg your pardon. My interest was prompted primarily by the pickle jar. Then you turned around and I was sort of carried away. Do you believe in love at first sight?
18: I, I've heard that it happens.
19: What would you say if I said i had just fallen in love with you?
18: I'd say good night.
19: Then I won't say it. I'll keep it a secret for the time being. Are you going to buy that pickle jar or may I?
18: I certainly am.
19: Well, all right. Buy it if you want it. But have you stopped to consider that probably in a hundred years this pair has never been separated? They're mates. Doesn't even that make you pause? No. Should it? Well, you certainly have a few things to learn about romance. Have you a heart?
18: I used to have. Where's now? I didn't watch it carefully enough. It got away from me.
19: You know, I think I'll do a little hunting around for that heart. It's the kind of treasure hunt that's mighty appealing. All right, Missy, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll each take a pickle jar and promise to see that they get together now and then. Say, uh, every other evening and over the weekend.
18: Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't do that.
19: Why not? Are you married or something?
18: No. I guess I'd better tell you who I am. The name is Linda Brown.
19: Oh, mine's Johnny Day. I'm glad to know you, Linda. I wish you'd reconsider that little proposition of mine.
18: Look, Johnny Day, maybe you haven't been back long enough to know that I'm considered the town's bad girl. Your mother would never approve of you singing.
19: <laughs> I'm a little past the age when one says, Mother, may I see Linda Brown tonight?
18: You seem to remember an old saying about mother knows best.
19: My mother has always particularly admired my taste in girls, as a matter of fact. And, well, she should. They've always been the nicest girls in town. I have an eye and a heart for them, Linda Brown. And right now, my eyes and my heart belong to you. And even Clem Richards isn't going to change it. You'll get over Clem Richards... He's a phase that all the girls in Brookfield have gone through. You've just been having yourself a set of growing pains.
18: Well, for someone who didn't know anything about me, you suddenly seem to know a lot.
19: I intend to know more. Come on, Linda Brown. Break down and be happy.
18: What's there to be happy about?
19: Being alive. Finding two pickle jars like these. Meeting you. Having a date with you tomorrow night. My pickle jar and I do have a date with your pickle jar and you tomorrow night. Don't we, Linda Brown?
18: You'll find us at the Elm Tree Gardens, Mr. Day, duly polished and waiting at 7 o'clock.
17: Hello? Oh, Clem,
18: how have you been lately? Country club dance tonight? I'm sorry, but I've already promised Johnny. Well, he can't dance much with his leg the way it is, but he can dance some. Sorry I can't make it, Clem.
19: Why so thoughtful, Miss B? It's
18: the music, I guess. I used to be very fond of this piece. Aren't you still? Evidently not. I don't seem to have any reaction at all.
19: Hello, Johnny. Oh, hi, Clem.
20: Isn't this our dance, Linda? I'm
18: afraid this is Johnny's clan.
20: Sorry?
19: My mistake. You'll excuse us? Oh, of course, no mind. You know, I don't think he likes me. I hope he doesn't. I consider that a very good sign. Of what, Janet? Of tides and human events and the progress of civilization. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. I thought you would. You know, you're beginning to be a very smart girl, Linda Brown. And I approve of that.
18: Hello? Oh, Clem. No, I'm sorry. I couldn't make it tonight. Johnny and I are going to take a ride in a pony cart. Maybe tomorrow night, Clem. All right, you phone. Well, you certainly don't have to be so huffy about it. I'm not going to break a date just because you call up at the last
7: minute.
19: Don't look now, Linda Brown. But there's a star in your hair.
18: You have, two in your eyes.
19: Hmm. That's from looking at you.
18: Do you think the pony's getting tired? I sort of feel as though we ought to get out and pull him for a while.
19: (laughs) Linda, I wish you'd tell me something. Is it still Clem Richards or no one with you? Or would you rather I didn't ask that question right now?
2: You
18: haven't given me much time to see Clem the last few weeks. Between you and my work, I've been pretty busy. You know, I've even forgotten to worry about whether my contract was going to be renewed or not.
19: There are a lot of things I want to say to you, Linda. It's hard not to say them because they're so important. And yet, I don't want to say them too soon and lose everything.
18: You're so sweet, Johnny.
19: (laughs) That's all you ever say to me. Mm. And that isn't what I'm waiting to hear.
18: What is it you want me to say?
19: I'll never tell you that. I hope someday you'll know it and say it. But if you don't, I'll never tell you.
20: Well, this is quite a treat. an Evening with you. Nice of Johnny to spare you. Or was he tied up or something?
18: Oh, Clem, let's not quarrel. Every time I see you, you start an argument.
20: All right, I'm jealous. You don't deny that you've been spending a lot of time with Johnny Day.
18: Well, it was one way of keeping the town from talking about us.
20: Is that why you've been seeing so much of him? Is it?
18: No, that's not the reason. I enjoy being with him.
20: You're playing with fire, you know. You'll never reconcile old lady Patterson to renewing your contract by going after her one and only son. You'll never get your contract signed that way. That's suicide.
18: I don't see why Johnny Day and I can't be friends. He's not married, is he?
20: What does that have to do with it?
18: I thought that was the point.
20: Oh, let's not argue, Linda. I came here to tell you that my wife has gone to Reno to get a divorce. In a few weeks, I'll be free, too. I see. Well, you don't seem exactly overjoyed.
18: Clem, I... I don't know what to say. When I first came to Brookfield, I was lonesome. And you were very gracious to me. But I don't think I ever really thought I was in love with you.
20: Is it Johnny Day?
18: Yes, Clem. I'm in love with Johnny. Johnny and I can start out together building something new and clean and out in the open where everyone can know about it. There doesn't have to be anything secret or second-hand about it.
20: And you think that what I'm offering you is second-hand, eh?
18: For me, it's second-hand, Clem. There's nothing that's new to you, particularly love. You say all the right things a little too well, if you know what I mean. Maybe for someone else, that's all right. But I have to be able to respect and like the man I marry, as well as love him.
20: So now you think you'll marry Johnny Day. Well, Linda, I think you've got another thing coming. Has Johnny Day asked you to marry him?
18: No. Maybe he won't. But that doesn't change anything.
20: Well, I'll bet my bottom dollar that he won't. His old lady's too smart and too proud to have her pride and joy marry anyone of your reputation.
18: I probably deserve that for allowing you to make my reputation for me, Clem. Now, will you please go? Okay, Linda.
20: When you get lonesome, let me know. I might still be around. <laughs>
22: Hey, Miss Brown.
18: Johnny! What are you doing out here in front of the center at ten o'clock at night?
19: I've been waiting to walk you home. All right.
18: All right. It looks like rain. Sky's overcast.
19: You walk like you're tired. What kept you?
18: Oh, I had some thinking to do.
19: Mm Mm-hmm. Would you like to play a game as we walk along?
18: Let's not play any games, Johnny. Someone always gets hurt.
19: Not you this time, Linda. I'll see to that. You'll like the kind of games I play.
18: I like that kiss, Johnny. You've never kissed me before.
19: I just never dared. But I'm very brave tonight.
18: Johnny. Hmm? You said once that... someday there might be something I'd want to tell you. Well, now there is. I don't know why it should be so hard to say, but it... but it is.
19: Do you love me, Linda? Is that it?
18: Yes, Johnny. That's it.
19: Oh, darling, I've waited so long.
18: Good heavens, what a storm. We'd better get along.
19: Here, take my arm. Do you know Linda Brown? I guess there's half a dozen pictures I have of you that you don't even know about.
18: Mm, the rain feels wonderful on your face, doesn't it? I've always wanted to walk in it like this. What are the pictures, Johnny?
19: Well, in one of them, you're standing in the doorway and something pink, waving me off to work. And one is you and something deep and blue sitting beside me looking into a fire. And one, oh, I blush to say, is you with a smudge on your nose scolding five little girls of assorted sizes that look a little like me and a lot like you. I have one or two others, but I'll keep them to myself for the time being. Well, what do you think of my pictures?
18: Well... I blush to say I'd love to post for them.
19: Well, here's the inn. You're home, darling. Will you come in? No, no, I'd better get home and get dry. I'll phone you tomorrow, Linda. I'll meet you about quarter after two on the park bench. Under General Pershing.
18: I'll be there, Johnny. Twice. Once at a quarter after two and once in my dream.
21: Good night.
3: Good night.
18: Any messages for me? None at all, Miss Brown. Oh. Oh, I almost forgot. There's someone waiting to see you in the morning room. Oh? It's the mayor. Oh. Good evening, Mr. Warren.
3: Hello, Linda.
11: I came in to talk to you about the job. I think it's going to be all right for the renewal. Your running around with Johnny Day seemed to fix everything up. You know, folks like Johnny, and they figure a girl can make a mistake, especially if she's young and pretty.
18: I made a bad one. You know, my father once told me a very wise thing. He said it was not only important to be a lady, you had to look like one as well.
11: Uh, You look a little tired, Linda. Maybe you should take a week or two off and get some rest. That would give you and Johnny a chance to be well, to do a little stepping.
22: (laughs) Mr. Warren, (laughs)
18: I haven't seen Johnny in three weeks. He just walked out of my life, said he'd phone the next day, but he never did. Guess I scared him away. How
11: could you do that?
18: I told him I loved him. Well,
11: it's almost kind of hard to tell how that'll affect a man. But I thought Johnny was pretty set on you. He hasn't phoned and he hasn't written. So I guess that's
8: that. Excuse me, Miss Brown. Mrs. Patterson's on the telephone. You can take it in here. Mrs. Patterson. Yes?
21: Is this Linda Brown?
18: Yes, Mrs. Patterson.
21: I was wondering if you wouldn't join us for dinner tonight, my dear.
18: Thank you. That's very kind of you, but I'm afraid I couldn't make it.
21: We'll make it a late dinner if that'll be more convenient.
18: I'm afraid it's quite impossible, Mrs. Patterson.
21: I'm asking you as a special favor, Linda.
18: All right. You win. I'll be there for dinner.
7: (laughs)
21: That's just on the table. He tells me you have the mate. Yes, I have. You know, I sent him out to find a pair for me. When he came home, he said he'd met such a beautiful girl, he couldn't resist giving her one. Oh? Look here, Linda. My son seems to think I've been persecuting you. He calls it gunning for you. But that isn't so. Why, if you were one of my own daughters, I'd feel the same way about it. You're a leader of young people in this town, and as such, you have a responsibility. There are certain things no girl can get away with, no matter how smart she is or how hard she works or how loyal her heart is. Romancing with Clem Richards, you were bucking a convention that's older than either of us. I'm glad you stopped bucking it, for your own sake and for my son's sake. You're glad for... Ju- what do you mean? I'm glad for his sake because... Johnny loves you. You must be mistaken. Johnny hasn't been near me for weeks. He's been very ill. He went out in the rain and got soaking wet and almost got pneumonia from it.
18: Pneumonia? But but why didn't someone tell me? Is he all right now?
21: He's standing right behind you. Why don't you ask him yourself? Johnny! Oh, Johnny!
19: Hello, darling. The pickle jar and I have been very lonely for you.
21: So has my pickle jar and me.
18: We didn't know you were ill.
19: I didn't want anyone to know. I wanted to see what would happen.
18: Are you satisfied?
19: Linda, you know the old Merkel place on Cobb Lane beyond Willow Farm? It can be picked up with a mortgage.
18: Oh, Johnny, you're such an idiot. Can't you see I adore you? If this is a proposal. The
19: Merkel place is yours in exchange for five little girls.
18: That's an awful lot of girls, Johnny.
19: Well, it's what this town needs as many little girls as possible, just like you. Didn't we come to that conclusion last night, Mother? Hey, Mother! She's gone. Your mother's a diplomat, Johnny. You know, it's time those pickle jars got together on one mantle. Things that are perfectly mated should never be separated. Well, Linda, how about my five little girls? Do I get them?
18: Well, darling, I'll tell you. You get the marriage license, and then
21: just keep your fingers crossed.
13: This is
11: Frank Gallup, your host for the evening, bringing down the curtain on tonight's performance of Romance, a program produced each week by Columbia to bring you the great romantic plays and love stories of all time. Romance is produced and directed by Marks Loeb. Music is conducted by Ben Ludlow. The cast tonight included Marion Shockley as Linda Brown, Bill Quinn as Johnny Day, Lane Cordner as Clem Richards, and Reza Royce as Mrs. Patterson. Next week, at this same hour, and over many of these stations, we shall bring you another romance. Our play will be My Man Godfrey. Till then, till curtain time next week, this is your host, Frank Gallup, saying good night and wishing you love, happiness, and romance. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: ladies and gentlemen is I almost said it again. But that nabbit it is one of my favorites. Lux theater I love. Uh it's kinda like listening to the old movies and I love the old, old classic movies. And most people my age Tend to like the more modern movies They don't like the old movies With Gary Cooper And all of that kind of stuff Anymore, all those guys Clark Gable, but they are still My idols Jane Wyman Well, anyway we, We're we straying uh, Getting off the beaten path here But that's what Lux Radio Theater Reminds me of And this one is Um it's an hour long and it's called Love Affair.
11: Lux presents Hollywood. Lux Radio Theater brings you Irene Dunn and William Powell in Love
23: Affair. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. A chance meeting between the right people starts a good many things in this world. It may determine the fate of nations, make or lose a million dollars or Begin a Romance. I'll let you guess which of these results from the chance meeting in the play called Love Affair. It's a drama that's both gay and serious at the same time. Gay because the parties to the romance are such good company. Serious because... well, because love is like that. The successive Love Affair on the screen put another feather in the cap of Leo McCary, who produced and directed it for RKO. And by this time... Cleo's cap must look like an Indian war bonnet. In our production tonight, we have the same lovely star who played the part of Terry McKay in the picture, Irene Dunn. And Irene has left a memory of many fine performances in the Lux Radio Theater. The other half of Love Affair is William Powell, who played the role of Michael Marney. We heard that MGM cameras had captured Mr. Powell for a new picture beginning tomorrow, and that meant he'd be pretty busy for the next couple of months. So a week ago, we bearded Bill in the MGM lion's den and uh, put him to work with us. Behind the marquee lights, which proudly announce these stars, is your support of our product, Lux Toilet Soap. That's what keeps the lights aglow, just as Lux Toilet Soap helps millions of women keep the glow of beauty. Now the lights are up, our stars are ready to enter, and the curtain rises on Act One of Love Affair, starring William Powell as Michael Marney. And Irene Dunn has Terry McKay. It's said of certain people that they have less privacy than a goldfish. But Michael Marnet of Paris must have gazed with envy at the placid goldfish bowl. For compared to him, the Finney resident was a hermit. On a night not long ago, the radio gossipers burned up the airways from America to Singapore. With the latest news of his unprivate existence. In Paris.
22: The women of the world will be desolate at this report. Michael Marney sails tonight for America to marry Lois Clark, American heiress to a fortune of 600 million francs.
23: In New York.
22: Michael Marney, the French heartburser, sailed incognito tonight
0: from Naples on board the Napoli. Why? Because Lois Clark and her 20 million smackers will be waiting for him on the dock in New York City. And this time, it's marriage. In London. Uh, It is rumored that Michael Marney sails from Medica tonight to enter into matrimony with one of a Medica's industrial nobility, Miss Lois Clark. Uh, I think that's all.
23: On the steamship Napoli, the subject of all this excitement paces the deck slowly, reading a radiogram. Suddenly, a gust of wind takes it from his hand and whisks it around the corner of the deck. Monsieur Marney gives chase. And rounding the corner, pulls up short as he sees a very pretty girl reading a radiogram. Oh,
11: I'm so sorry, but uh, I think you're reading my radiogram.
15: I beg your pardon?
11: Oh, yes, the wind blew it here. My radiogram, I believe you're reading it.
15: Oh, just a moment. I I want to finish. My. Well, uh, how do I know this is yours? Can you identify yourself?
11: Well, I'm Michael Marnie.
15: Don't tell me you're the fella. The one they've been talking about on the radio. I'm afraid I am. Well, can you tell me what this message says? It's frightfully personal, and I'd like to be sure that, uh... Well, you know, I, Well, I it would... says,
11: Remembering a warm, beautiful night. A thunderstorm over Lake Como. And you.
15: And you. That's you?
11: Yes. Yeah.
15: It was all right, huh?
7: Uh-huh.
15: <laughs> it was nice? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, do you think it will ever take the place of baseball? I beg your pardon? Oh, never mind, no. Here's your radiogram, Mr. Monet. Good evening. Oh,
11: wait, wait, please. I, uh... I'm in trouble. Serious trouble.
15: Well, I could have told you playing around like Como. The poor thing.
11: I must talk to someone.
15: Well, I'm not very good at that sort of thing. I talk a lot. I'm trying to break myself of the habit. I can but... see you
11: have an honest face. Yes, I can trust you, can't I?
15: Well, I guess so. Come with me. Uh, but the captain has an honest face, too.
11: Shall we go to your cabin or mine?
15: Well, mine. It's not that I'm prudish. It's just that my mother told me never to enter a strange room in months ending in R.
11: Your mother must be a very beautiful woman.
15: <laughs> Here it is. What's your name? Terry McCann. I'm traveling alone. Was that by any chance what was troubling you? Uh, uh.
11: Why, of course. How did you guess?
15: Well,
11: this is fine. You know, you saved my life. I've been bored to death. I haven't seen one attractive girl in this boat since we left. Not one. Can you imagine nine days like that? Why, it's terrible. Life should be bright. It should be beautiful and bubbly like pink champagne. I got scared. I said to myself, Don't beautiful women travel anymore? Evidently not. And then I saw you. Cigarette?
15: No, thanks. Uh, have you been getting results with a line like that, or would I be surprised?
11: Well, if you were surprised, it would surprise me. Well,
15: that sounds like a nasty crack. I could make a few too if I felt like it. I'm
11: sure you could. I know I can. That's what I said. I
15: think I will. <laughs> How's your fiance, Miss Lois Clark?
11: She has a cold.
15: Oh, too bad. Got it at Lake Como?
11: No, she wasn't there.
15: Then the lady of the lake? No, is that not...
11: was her best friend.
15: Oh, chummy bunch.
11: You know, this boat's going awfully fast. Only eight and a half days till we get in. Is there any reason why, from now, it shouldn't be pink champagne?
15: Well, um, do you like that picture on the table?
11: Oh, uh, yeah. Friend of yours?
15: A very good friend.
11: I see. He's nice, huh? Very nice. He's all right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where is he now? <laughs> <laughs>
15: New York. He sends me on a buying trip every once in a while. You see, um, he's my boss, too. Oh, uh,
11: you don't think he would approve of uh, pink champagne? No, no. I, don't think so. I think it's very touching, you and him, very beautiful. I like that. He must be very engaging.
15: Well, you can just imagine how attractive he is when I can resist so charming a person as you.
11: <clears throat> Let's see, that's the door I came in. Well, I still have deck tennis, kino, and shuffleboard.
15: Oh, don't tell me you're embarrassed.
11: Yes, to my embarrassment. Now, if you don't mind, I'll take my pride for a walk. Unless by chance you'd care to have dinner with the two of us.
16: <laughs> yes, I'd love to.
11: And you mustn't believe all you've heard of me.
15: Oh, I couldn't believe all, Mr. Marnay. But I gather that you've known quite a few women. Or maybe few is the wrong word. Oh, uh, maybe. And I guess you haven't much respect for them. Maybe. But of course, you've always been fair in your judgment.
11: No, I've been more than fair. I idealize them. every woman I meet I put on a pedestal. But the longer I know her, the better I know her. Oh. And the better I know her. The well, let's talk about you.
15: No, oh, no, no. We'll talk about me another time. I think I'd like to take a walk on the deck.
7: Of course.
24: Signore Monet. Your
15: yeah, boy? Oh, a oh, radio Signore Monet. Oh, another one? And your name, Signorina? McKay. Oh,
11: there's one for you also. Here, Signorina. Oh, thank you. From New York?
15: Mm hmm. Uh, yours from New York, too?
11: Mm hmm. Well, now, uh, where were we? Oh, yes, yes. What's the name of that strange place you were born?
15: Kansas. Ah,
11: and from there, where did you go?
15: Well, from there, I went to New York and got a job singing in a nightclub from 10 to 3 in the morning. And then the manager used to chase me around his office till about 4, and then I went home. And then one night, he came along.
4: Oh,
11: yes, the man in the picture.
15: Mm-hmm. And he said I didn't belong in a place like that. He said, um...
11: um... That you should improve yourself?
15: Yes, so I studied hard. So that
11: someday you would be a charming, lovely wife.
15: Yes, that was more or less the idea. Uh, well, <laughs> that sort of brings us up to date. <laughs> I beg your pardon.
4: Uh, will you turn it this way, please? Who are you? I uh, think she's a photographer.
7: Uh,
11: Grazie.
4: Thank you very much. Oh, 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 that's bad.
21: Uh, a picture of us together.
11: Oh, uh, wait a minute. You, uh... I say that's a beautiful camera you have there. May I see it? Oh yes, Signore. Takes nice, clear pictures, huh? Oh, very clear, yes. Oh. <laughs> signore, you took a film out. Oh, does that spoil the picture? I'm so sorry. Give me my camera back. Here you are. Thank you, Signore. Thank you very much.
15: Mm-hmm. I guess it's no good for either one of us to be seen together. Right or wrong, people talk, so it'd better be. Goodbye. What's the matter? Afraid? Of you? No.
11: But after all, we're on the same ship. There's still eight days to go, you know.
15: Well, you can take nice long walks in the sunshine. We'll be in Madeira tomorrow. The sun always shines in Madeira.
11: What do I do if it rains?
24: Oh, no.
15: No, it's no good. I see.
11: It's particularly no good for you.
15: Yes, that's right. Being seen with you is news, and I don't want to get my picture in the paper. So I guess we'd better uh, spread out. Good night. Night.
11: Passengers will please be back on board at five o'clock. The boat will leave Madeira at
16: five o'clock. Passengers will please be back on board. at Hello.
11: Five Going ashore. Hello. Oh, no, yes. Yes. I'm calling on a lady this afternoon.
15: Oh, even in Madeira. Ha <laughs>
11: ha. You're wrong this time. It's my grandmother.
15: Oh, I'm sorry.
11: Oh, that's all right. She lives way up on that hill. I'd like to come along and meet her. No photographers.
15: Oh, I'd be happy to come.
11: <laughs> this is her house. That's a little chapel over there. Way down the hill, you, you see those toy houses? Mm-hmm. That's the village.
15: Oh, what a divine place. I want to meet her.
11: I'll see if she's here. Oh, Mimi! Mimi! Uh, She must be in the chapel.
15: What is there about this place? Something makes you feel you want to whisper. There's such peace here. It's like another world.
11: Yes, my grandmother's world.
15: Uh, Tell me a little more about her.
11: Well, my grandfather was in the diplomatic service. This was his last post. He died here, so she stayed on to be near him. He's buried there beside the chapel. (laughs) She must be waiting, I think, a little impatiently. The day she'll join him.
16: Michael. Michael, my dear. Mimi, darling. Why didn't you tell me you were arriving?
11: Oh, Mimi, I wanted to surprise you.
16: Oh, I am very surprised. So you are going to be married, Michael. Is this the girl?
11: Oh, no, no, darling. Uh, This is Miss Terry McKay. Oh.
16: How do How you, you do? <laughs> she
15: is very charming, Michael. I like her. Thank you. I'm glad. If you'll excuse me, I'll sit down for a moment. Ah, I'm longer at my prayers nowadays, and my knees—well, they are as old as I am. Tell me, are you English? No, no, I'm American. American. <laughs> Do you know, I have a special fondness for America. It was my husband's first post after we married. Really? Yes. In fact, we went to Washington on our honeymoon. Uh My husband was in the French Embassy. Mr. Grover Cleveland was your president. We met him. A great, hearty man. He got married while he was in the White House. And we all went to the wedding. There was great excitement. I remember the lovely bride. I remember it caused a sensation. She did not wear a bottle.
7: <laughs>
15: oh, you have a lovely place here. Thank you. I could stay on forever. Oh, you are too young for that. It is a good place to sit and remember. But you still have to create your memories. Uh, I see you looking at my chapel. Would you like to go in? Oh, may I? But, of course. Thank you. How long has it been for you, Michael? Mm, Well,. uh... Since you were an altar boy. Then you better go in, too. It won't hurt you. I'll prepare tea.
16: Come in, my dear. Tea will be ready in a moment.
15: Where is Michael? He'll be right along. May I help you? Thank you, my dear. Where are your cup? Over there. I'm sorry I had to let my maid go. You see, I planned on dying when I was seventy-five, but here I am seventy-seven.
16: So if I'm not going to die, I should start saving my money.
15: <laughs> oh, what a lovely painting! You like it? Yes, it's charming. Who did it? Michael. Michael. He painted it for me. But he's good. He is very talented. Unfortunately, he's also very critical. The artist in him would create, the critic destroy. As a result, he has not done anything since. Oh, what a pity. (laughs) Michael is too busy uh, living, as they call it. Things come easy to him, and he is always allured by the art he is not practicing, the places he has not been, the girl he has not met. Maybe I shouldn't have met him. No, no, no. You are different. I don't mind confessing to you, my dear, that I have been worried about him. I am frightened sometimes. Why? That one day life will present a bill to Michael and that he will find it hard to pay. But when I see him with you, I feel better. Oh, I wish I could share your confidence. You will have it when you need it. There is nothing wrong with Michael that a good woman could not make right. Hello. Hello.
11: Well, i have you two girls been getting along.
15: Well, you'd be surprised. Yes, wouldn't
11: you? I bet Mimi did all the talking. Mm-hmm.
15: <laughs> She's been telling me that when you were a little boy, if you didn't get your own way, you'd lie on the floor and kick and get red in the face. Oh, what did you say? Well, I said you didn't do that anymore. And now, if you don't get your own way, you just get embarrassed. Oh,
11: may I have some tea? be honest once.
15: I think she's wonderful right now. She
11: is.
16: Not so loud, I can still
15: hear you. Oh. Oh.
11: I'm afraid that's for us.
15: I do not like boat whistles.
11: Maybe, darling. I'll come back and see you soon, I promise.
16: Please do.
15: You're shivering. Don't you want your shawl around you? Thank you. My, it's a beautiful shawl. You like it? Indeed I do.
16: I will send it to
15: you someday. Oh. Goodbye, Michael. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye. Good bliss.
11: Mind if I come in with you for a moment?
15: Mm, If you like.
11: It's getting pretty windy on deck.
15: Yes.
11: Well, I just want to thank you for a grand evening.
15: And I want to thank you for the loveliest day I've ever known.
11: You were very sweet to my little grandmother.
15: I'm going to write to her.
11: Oh, that'll be nice. You know, I'm really very grateful to her. You should be. I think perhaps she's made you see me in a more favorable light. She has. You're wondering, of course, why I'm not better than I am.
15: I think you're all right. As far as you go? Well, that's as far as I can go. Terry... Feel how the boat's rocking. We must have changed our course.
11: I think we have.
15: But only for a while. Uh, Good night.
11: Terry, listen to me. No,
15: don't. Don't. Uh, We're heading into a rough sea, Michael. Good night. Hello. If you say a penny for your thoughts, I'll jump overboard. What are you
11: doing out here? Couldn't you sleep?
15: No, too near New York to sleep. What about you?
11: <laughs> All I seem to do is turn and toss. Dreaming? You couldn't call it dreaming. I'm awake. I'd call it wishing. Hmm.
15: My father used to say, Wishes are the dreams we dream when we're awake. He used to drink a lot. <laughs>
11: You know, I wrote a song once about wishing. It was rather nice.
15: Oh, it was? How does it go? Uh,
11: oh, I forget, but, uh, it's said that if you wish long enough in your mind, and if you wish strong enough in your heart, and if you keep on wishing long enough and strong enough...
15: You get what you want for Christmas?
11: <laughs> yes. Well, we'll get in in the morning in New York. Will he be waiting?
15: Mm-hmm. I just had another radiogram. What about her?
11: Mm-hmm. I had one, too. Terry, I guess if we have something on our minds, we'd better say it now. Yes. You know, I've never worked all my life. All my life, I've never worked.
15: I've been thinking about that. Uh, what did you say? Uh, I didn't say anything. Yes, you did, too. You said I was very fond of expensive things, furs and jewels and things. What did I say that? Mm -hmm. I guess you and I have been more or less used to a life of pink champagne. It might be a little difficult to change. Do you like beer?
11: Yes, I do.
15: I know, I know. My father used to say, It's a funny thing. The things you like best in life are either illegal, immoral, or (laughs) fattening." Your father... Yeah, I told you he drank like a fish.
11: <laughs> I wonder what your father would think of me. Never working, not one day.
15: Well, just because you haven't oh, doesn't, doesn't mean... that he... doesn't mean that
11: I couldn't. No, of course not. But I might not find out all at once. It might take me six months to find out if...
15: if... If
24: what?
11: Well, it's hard to say. After all, it's unfair to ask you to take a chance. But, Terry, if I worked hard enough and long enough, and wishes came true. Where would you be?
15: What are you trying to say, Michael?
11: I'm trying to say that it would take me six months to find out if I'm worthy to say what's in my heart.
15: Oh, that's just about the nicest. Oh, well. I, I think I'll turn in now and do a little more rolling and tossing. I'll think about it and let you know in the morning. Going my way?
11: Oh, no, I think I'll walk a little.
15: You know... Marriage is a very serious thing. Yes, I know. Do you like children?
11: Yes. Yes, I do.
15: So do I. Michael. Michael.
11: Oh, oh, there you are. <laughs> I was afraid you left the boat without telling oh, me.
15: No, 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 Michael, listen. If everything goes all right for both of us in six months, I mean, that's July.
11: July, yes.
15: Now, look, I've written out these directions. Read them carefully so there won't be any mistakes.
11: My dear darling, that's me. Uh Uh-huh. Meet me on July 1st, 5 o'clock, 102nd floor, top of the Empire State Building.
15: Yes. Now, there it is. See? Over there. It's the tallest building in the world. You can't miss that. It's the nearest thing to heaven we have in New York. No, yes, darling. Be sure to take the elevator.
11: In just a moment, William Powell and Irene Dunn will return in Act Two of Love Affair. But now, what have we here? Am I seeing things, or have we six girls, uh, six very lovely
15: girls... All standing in a row. We're not just six girls, Mr. Ruick. We stand for something. We're sort of symbols. Oh, symbols.
11: I see. Well, is it all right for me to say you're certainly the best looking symbols I've seen in a long time? <laughs> suppose you tell our audience what your symbols are. Now, we'll take you one at a time. First, the uh, girl with the nice red hair. Tell us what this is all about.
15: Well, you see, Mr. Ruick. We stand for six special qualities in Lux Toilet Soap.
13: Well, well,
11: well. Luxe Toilet Soap is proud of you. You really are about the best-looking six girls I ever saw together in one small space. It's too bad, in a way, that you're just symbols. But as I understand it, uh, each of you girls stands for one of the qualities that make our product what it is. The complexion soap nine out of ten screen stars use. So why don't you, now, one at a time, girls... Tell our audience about yourself. That tall, slender girl, first now. What do you stand
15: for? I stand for Lux Soap's mildness. When a woman has sensitive skin, that's terribly important.
11: Next, the young lady with the blonde hair.
15: Lux soap's purity. That means only the finest ingredients are used in Lux soap. And you?
18: Whiteness. Women love to use Lux soap because it's such a luxurious looking cake. So
21: white and so smooth and well made. And you? Active lather is what I stand for. That means Lux Soap cares for the complexion very gently, but very thoroughly. And that's awfully important because it makes Lux Soap such a wonderful beauty aid, such a wonderful
15: help in keeping skin smooth and soft, and, you know, really lovely.
11: Very good. And now the girl with the red hair again.
15: I stand for the Lux Soap perfume. It's very choice and distinctive, a blend of 34 costly ingredients. When women use Lux Soap for an active lather beauty bath, it leaves a delicate clinging fragrance
8: on their skin.
23: Good. Now the girl next to you.
8: I stand for long lasting quality of Lux soap. That means it's thrifty, a firm
18: hard cake that gives a wonderful lather.
11: Thank you, girls. Thank you very much.
7: Hey, thank you. And do
11: come again. You know, I only wish our audience could see you as well as hear you. I'm sure they'd say with me, Lux toilet soap is
1: proud of you.
23: Now our producer, Mister Demille. Act Two of Love Affair, starring Irene Dunn as Terry McKay and William Powell as Michael Marney. The excitement of the landing is over. Michael and Terry have been rushed away from the dock under the protection of their respective fiancées. Now, a few hours later, Terry stands on the balcony of her penthouse apartment gazing dreamily at the majestic tower of the Empire State Building. Behind her, in the room, the door opens quietly.
13: Hello, darling.
15: Oh. Oh, hello, Ken.
13: Well, darling,
11: how does it feel to be back?
15: Oh, fine. Only, Ken, I want to... Uh, sorry I
11: had to rush away this morning, but I've got my business all cleaned up, and right now there's not a thing on my mind except that I'm in love. Uh, kiss?
7: Mm-hmm.
11: And I've got a surprise for you, Terry. Uh... uh wait a minute. Uh, kiss me again, will you? Mm-hmm. Remind me to ask you later what's happened to your kisses. Maybe you're just out of practice, I hope.
4: Oh, by the way,
11: take a look at the paper. Your picture's on page three.
15: Oh. Marnay, wedding, off.
11: Think of it. Your picture right under the headline. They could have said, the beautiful Terry McKay comes between the famous Marnay and his fiancée. Or maybe they should have. Should they? Well, after all, darling, you were on the boat with him, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Did you meet him? yes. Huh? Must be a fascinating chap. Yes,
15: he's. A, he's oh,
11: and uh, he's not nearly as bad as people say oh, he is.
15: Darling, if there were only some way without hurting you.
11: Uh-huh. I get it. I'm sorry. Oh, Ken. Terry, darling, how can you do such a thing? It doesn't make sense. I know. You must be losing your mind. I
15: know, I know.
11: Well, Terry, what are you going to do?
15: We're giving it six months to, well, to see if, if we're both sure what we want. I'm leaving New York. I'm going to get a job somewhere singing, and... Uh, well, uh, we're, we're going to meet in July.
11: Terry, listen to me. I won't let you do this. You're too fine. I wanted to marry you. I brought the ring. That was my surprise. I should have brought it a long time ago, but... Well, it's not too late. It can't be too late. Sweetheart, look at me. Can't you see I'm in love?
15: I know, Ken, darling. But so am I. <laughs> They like me in Philadelphia. Yeah?
11: Well, that noise is applause, isn't it? Well,
15: maybe they're
11: applauding your two dollar dinner. <laughs> oh, you've got the job, Mr. K. Now, if you'll step into my office, I'd like to talk about a nice long contract.
16: Only
11: six months. Six months? That's not a long time.
13: Oh, yes, it is. Well, there you are. There's a whole lot of them. What do you think? Hmm. Seven paintings in a few weeks. You've been working hard, Michael. That's right.
11: Now I want you to work hard, Courbet. I want you to sell them for me. You can go to work on this one
13: first. Still alive. Hmm. Well, what's the matter? Don't you like it? Nope. But I tell you, if you signed it Michael Marney instead of Andre, I could sell it to plenty of women. Oh. No.
11: This is the new Marnay, whose name is Andre. I was hoping you like this. Mm-hmm. So was I. It's been a so long time since I... Uh... <laughs> Funny... Painting seemed so easy before. And probably because I didn't care then. Well, what do you expect in two or three months? Uh,
5: you mind if I help myself to this apple?
11: you don't mind it being only half an apple. Oh, that was my lunch. You care to have dinner with me? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll take a cigarette though. Sorry, I quit smoking. Oh. Mm-hmm.
13: What's the painting on the easel?
11: Oh, that's not quite finished. Ah,
13: the woman.
11: Thanks. You like her? Hmm. Well. I know you wouldn't like to be seen with her. Uh,
3: you did this without a model.
11: Uh, women are more expensive than apples. Well, I'd finish it though. You shouldn't have any trouble getting a model. This is the new money. Well, I suppose if I can't sell my paintings, I'll have to get a job. Oh, I wouldn't give up your painting. Oh, I'm not going to give it up. It's the only thing I know. I have to make money, lot of money. Oh, of course, of course. But but how? Say, look, Corby. You ever see those fellows who work up on uh, scaffolding? Huh? You know, they, they make pictures, pretty girls, automobiles, beer. Sign painting. Yes, that's it. How do you get that kind of work?
13: Oh, I don't know. Maybe you need an agent, huh? Maybe. I'll have to find out.
11: Say, say, look, bud. Huh? I don't know how much of this kind of work you've done, but when you're standing on a scaffold four flights up, you stand quiet, see? Oh. You don't go dancing around like the Queen of the May or you land up on a sidewalk. Oh, I'm sorry, my friend. It's just that I'm happy. How do you like my streamlined siren? She'll look down on all New York and sell beer by the gallon. My
16: bird. My bird.
11: Uh, who's that? There's a guy down there waving at you. Courbe! What is it?
1: I have been looking all over for you. I have good news. You know the
4: woman I would not be seen with? Yes. I sold her for two hundred dollars.
11: Two hot. My friend, I'm a painter. Yeah,
4: so am I. March twenty ninth
7: to july first. Three
15: months more.
11: Three months.
7: April 2nd. Two months
8: to go. May the 4th. One more month. Two weeks from today. Only one more week. Next week. Thursday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Today. 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 Hello? Hello? Oh, is this Mr. Kenneth Bradley? Well, this is Miss Lane at the Salon Moderne. Mr. Bradley, I thought I'd call you... Miss McKay came into the shop this afternoon for some new dresses. Yes, and
15: I was wondering if her credit was still good. I mean, we used to send the bills to you at. Oh, of course. Anything she wants. Yes, sir. What? Well, I'll try to hold her here. How long will you be?
9: All right. Goodbye.
7: <laughs> No, no,
15: it's no use, Miss Lane. I think I have enough right now. Nothing else, thank you. Well, if you're sure, Miss McKay, uh, where shall I have this sent? Well, I don't know at the moment. I'll have to call back and let you know. Now, let me see. That'll be one hundred and thirty-four dollars. There. I think that's right, isn't it? You mean we're not to charge this to to Mr. Bradley? No, 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 no. Goodbye. Hello, Terry. What, Ken?
11: How are you, Terry? Where have you been hiding all these months?
15: Oh, Ken, what are you doing here? How on earth did you know I would... Oh, oh, Miss Lane. I see. What time is it, Ken? I'm late.
11: It's uh, five minutes to five.
15: Oh, Helen. Oh, it's good seeing you, Ken.
11: It's good seeing you, Terry. There's so much to talk to you about.
15: I... Yes, I- I'm sorry I'm in such a hurry. But
11: there's so much I want to say to well, you. Well,
15: call me up sometime. Oh, no, you can't do that either when I'm going to be married.
11: You're going to be married?
15: Yes, Ken, and I'm late. What time did you say it was?
11: Uh, Four minutes to five. Looks like I came all the way down here just to tell you what time it was, doesn't it? Yeah.
15: Goodbye, Ken.
11: Goodbye. Good luck.
15: Driver, can't you hurry? Sorry,
11: Miss. Traffic jam. I can cut across 30 seconds. Oh, no,
15: no. Never never mind. I I think I'll save time if I get out here. I'm in a hurry. Here you are.
4: Hey, what's the big rush?
15: I'm going to be married. (laughs) And I'd like you to be the first to congratulate me.
4: Oh, sure.
20: Congratulations.
15: Thanks. Goodbye. Hey, look out. Look out, Miss. <laughs> hey, hey, what's the matter? What's
7: happening
4: here? Huh? A
11: woman got here. Watch! She just stepped out of my can. This minute I was talking to her. Now, get over this.
20: Get over this. Quick, show And this tower is the tallest in the world. 102 floors above the street. Now, if you ladies and gentlemen will just move around this way, you can see the whole of downtown New York.
10: Elevator to the street. Going down, sir?
11: Uh, what's that? We're going down? Oh, no, no. I'm uh, waiting for. I say, what time is it?
10: Uh, ten minutes
11: after five. Oh, thanks. Hey. Hey, listen.
10: There must have been an accident somewhere.
11: Yeah.
20: And up that way is the George Washington Bridge.
4: It's not very clear tonight,
20: but if you look carefully, you can see the red light which marks the top of the steel tower. Now, on a clear
10: night, you can see the automobile
23: lights.
11: Going down? No, not yet.
10: It's 8 o'clock, sir.
11: Well, I, I'm not going down yet.
10: Oh, yes, sir. Huh. Kind of looks like a storm coming up, doesn't it? Some rain, huh? Uh, It's been going steady for three hours.
11: Well, uh. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Oh,
10: you're going down now?
11: Uh, yes. Yes, I'm going down. Well, Doctor, how's she doing? Will she be all right, Doctor? Well, her x rays aren't too encouraging. Hard to say if she'll ever walk again. We can tell better in a few months. Oh, um, are you the fellow she was yelling about under the anesthetic? No, no, that's another chap. She was on her way to marry him. Mm-hmm. Well, have you, uh, notified him? No, she doesn't want that. Because until she knows what you say you won't know for a while, she'd rather he didn't know. I see. Now that's being sensible. A nice girl. I think so. May I go in? Of course.
15: Hello, Ken. Hello, Terry. Ken, this is Father Haney.
11: I know. We've met. He was the one who sent for me, child. We weren't very sure we were going to have you with us.
15: Fooled you, didn't I, Father? I guess I had this coming to me, but... if the punishment fits the crime, I must have been a very bad girl. Oh, Ken is... Ken's the
16: man I told you.
11: Yes, I know. He explained.
16: Oh, he did, huh? Fine thing. chattel tale. Men like
15: to talk, don't they, Father? You know, I was on my way to be married this afternoon. I was going to meet him, his other fellow. Do you suppose he'll wait a very long time?
11: just a moment, we continue with Love Affair, starring William Powell and Irene Dunn. Meantime, goodness, something's gone wrong over at the Browns' apartment.
15: Oh, Bobby, why did you pull on the tablecloth? You've broken two of our beautiful wedding presentations. No, no, dear. Don't cry. Mother knows it wasn't your fault, really. Oh, come on now, quick and get your nice bath. You know, with all the waves and the nice white foam. Oh, there. That's a good boy. And you can bring your sailboat, too. Won't that be nice?
7: Oh,
24: there.
9: Isn't it fun? Don't you love your nice bath? And tomorrow night you can have another. Yes, with nice foamy
15: soap waves and everything. Now let's hurry and get dry before Daddy gets here. Because you know Mummy has to have her bath, too. That's a good boy, Bobby,
11: dear. Come on. Well, a nice, warm Lux Toilet Soap bath has saved the day for little Bobby. And now it's going to save the day for his tired mother, too. With Bobby safely in his crib, she'll rest back in her nice, warm bath for a while and cover herself lazily with the rich, creamy lather that makes Lux Toilet Soap bathing such a joy. She knows this nice, rich lather is active lather that will gently carry away every trace of dust and dirt, leave her skin really fresh. After a few moments, she'll step out completely refreshed, a delicate, clinging fragrance on her skin. And later on, when she greets that young husband of hers in a fresh, becoming frock, he's sure to say nice things. (laughs) What an adorable wife I've got. Fresh as a
15: daisy. Sweet as a... as a...
11: Oh, gee, darling... You are sweet. You will find a daily active lather bath with Luxe Toilet Soap, a wonderful way to protect daintiness, to make sure of skin that's sweet. Try it. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
23: Britain rises on Act Three of Love Affair. For three months, Terry lay in the hospital, unable to move. Then at last they told her she might go out, as far as the hospital gate. But in her loneliness, Terry has found company. Children from the Lincoln Heights orphanage next door who climb over the fence each day to sit in an adoring circle around her wheelchair.
8: Oh, Miss Terry, sing for us. Sing for us. Uh, again? Uh-huh. Sing that song you wrote, Miss Terry, the one about the wishing. We've been practicing it, Miss Terry. We've got a trail. No.
15: Uh-huh. Well, all right. I'll sing it and then you join in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, well.
7: Keep well, quiet, everybody.
8: Okay, Miss Terry.
16: <laughs> okay. Wishing We'll make it so Just keep on wishing And care will go Dreamers tell us Dreams come true It's no mistake And wishes are the dreams We dream When we're awake. The curtain of night will fall if you are certain within your heart so if you wish long enough wish strong enough you will come to know wish it
15: Too. Now let's hear the trio. Come on, here we go.
24: Wishing will make it so Just keep on wishing And care will go Dreamers tell us dreams come true it's no mistake, and wishes are the dreams we dream when we're awake. The curtain of night will fall if you are certain within your heart. So if you wish long
16: enough, wish strong enough, you will come to know.
13: all this, children? a
12: kids, it's no pickle
15: pickleball. That's
16: when I was a pickleball.
13: Hello? How do you do? I'm the, the superintendent of the orphanage. Y-
15: yes, I know.
13: How long has this been going on?
15: Well, just a few days. I, I hope you're not angry. Oh,
13: no. Oh, oh. When you have as many youngsters on your hands as I have, lady, you have a problem.
15: Oh, I don't know. I like them. I like kids.
13: I do, too. But... They don't like me. They they call me Pickle Puss.
16: Oh, oh dear.
13: I can see they like you. And music, too. And if it has so much influence, if you can do so much in a few days, I'm thinking...
15: I'm wondering if you're thinking the same thing I am. I'll be up and around pretty soon, and music has charms, and I like children, and children like me, and... I'll be needing a job badly.
13: It would only be an experiment, you understand. We couldn't pay a high wage. Oh, I wouldn't
15: care anything about that. Uh, uh, Just so you paid me enough so that I don't go around calling you (laughs) pickle-puss.
7: Christmas fun. Christmas fun. Something for the
8: Christmas fun, sir? Thank you. Christmas fun. Christmas fun. Something for the Christmas fun.
13: Michael, <laughs> welcome, welcome home. How oh,
11: are you, could be. thought I'd pay your Christmas visit. Good,
4: good. But uh, where have you been, Michael? Uh, I, 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 I've been trying
11: for for six months to get in touch with you. Oh, Madeira mostly? <laughs> You received my paintings?
13: You received your paintings. Come here. <laughs> look at the gallery. I have given you a one-man show. Well. And, and, and have they been selling? Wonderful.
4: Oh, you, you haven't wasted your time, Michael. <laughs>
11: you should have seen the 50 I threw
13: over the cliff. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh,
13: I, can, I can read the state of your mind when you painted these. Now, look. For instance, you were very sorry for yourself when you painted this one.
11: Yeah, that's right. That was painted in August, mm-hmm.
13: and in this one you were angry. You, um, you were just getting
11: over your, uh, your broken heart. Broken heart? <laughs> That's not for me.
13: <laughs> of course not. Oh, but here, this one, this one of the girl in the lake shore. In this, Michael, you for the first time really became a painter.
11: I'm not exactly ashamed of that one myself. I had a great deal to say. I tried to paint it instead. <laughs> "Good. Oh, let me tell you something. A um, a girl came in here the other day and saw this, and she, uh, well, uh, she told me <laughs> that. Uh, oh,
13: excuse me. Hello. Yes, Madame. Michael, it's for you. Huh? Your uh, your former fiance, Miss uh, Lois Clark.
15: But,
13: well, how does she know that?"
11: Hello.
8: Michael, this is Lois.
11: Well, how are you, Lois?
8: I, uh, I called your hotel. They said you could be reached at this number. Oh, Michael. Michael, i just got to see you.
11: Well, uh...
8: I know you must be busy, but can you make the theater tonight?
11: Well, I, I don't know. I, uh... Well,
8: call me later, darling, and let me know. Do try to make it. And whatever you do, don't plan anything for after the show. Hmm?
1: Well, all right.
11: Lois, where shall we go from here?
15: Well, suppose you plan where we'll go, Michael. After all, this is your evening, darling.
11: Wait, <laughs> mean, I don't know where to go anymore. I just go back, you know. If you.
6: What is it, Michael? Who's that girl you're staring at? That one sitting over on the aisle.
15: Hello, Michael.
11: Oh, hello, Terry. <laughs> uh, what are you saying, Lois?
15: I was saying you're never at a loss to just the right thing. Terry. Oh,
11: Ken. Terry, why don't you tell him? I'll go and get him.
15: No. No, Ken.
11: It's tough. The first time you're able to get out and have a good time, you have to meet him.
15: And all I could say was, hello. Well, the show's over. The boy gets the girl. Shall we go?
11: Certainly. Uh, Usher. Usher, will you bring the wheelchair, please? Terry, it seems awful to take you home when everybody's going out celebrating Christmas Eve. I'm going to ask you again. Why don't you let me help you?
15: All right, I'll tell you again. If you paid for my getting well, he wouldn't like it. And if he didn't like it, I wouldn't like it. And if you did get me well and I went to him, you wouldn't like it.
11: Then he certainly ought to know.
15: No, no, because if he found out, he'd want to do something about it. If he had the money, and I know he hasn't. And then if I didn't get well... That would be awful. No, no, unless I can walk to him, and when I say walk, I mean run. He'll never know. I've got my job, and I'm on a budget, and if things come out all right, and if I'm a good little girl, maybe I'll get what I want next Christmas.
7: We don't want to go without
15: you. Now, wait, now, wait, wait, wait. The doctor says I can't go, kid. Oh, look, doctor. I could be back in a couple of hours. This is a Christmas benefit. Their first public appearance. This is my team. But
23: Miss McKay, I. She's our
8: coach, Doc. Sure, she is, Doc. Now,
11: look, children. If it weren't good for her, you wouldn't want her to go, no, would you? No. I've given orders to Miss McKay not to move from this couch.
15: I'm sorry, kid. But you can get along without me. You'll have to try anyway.
18: Miss McCain, there's someone here to see you. A uh, gentleman.
15: Oh, oh, oh. All right. Kids, uh, you better run now. Good luck.
7: Goodbye. Goodbye. Merry Goodbye. Merry Goodbye. Merry Christmas.
15: All right, you can send him in now.
7: Come in,
15: please. Hello. Michael. Oh, well, I thought it was... May I put this package over here? Well, yes, of course.
11: How are you, Terry? Oh,
15: it's good to see you.
11: It's good to see you, too. Why, are you lying down, feeling all right? Oh,
15: yes, yes, I- I'm just resting. Good. It's been a long time.
11: Yes, yeah, that's right.
15: Good to see you.
11: Yes, you said that. I'll bet you're wondering how I got here. Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking in the telephone book for a man named McBride. And I saw the name Terry McKay. So I said to myself, could that be Terry McKay, my old friend? Mm
15: -hmm. And it
7: was. Yes.
11: Then I said to myself, I haven't been very nice to Miss McKay. After all, I had an appointment with her one day, and I didn't keep it.
15: You didn't keep... Oh.
11: And that's not a very nice way to treat an old friend, is it? So I said to myself, I must apologize. So, here I am.
15: That's sweet of you.
11: Yes, I thought so.
15: I've often wondered about you and how you were. Really?
11: I've often wondered about you, too. Well, then you you didn't get angry because I wasn't there. Well, you must have been at first.
15: Oh, yes, at first I was furious. I I said, uh, he can't do this to me. Who does he think he is?
11: Now, how long did you wait? I mean, uh, uh, did you wait long?
15: Well, let me see. I waited till about...
11: Uh, Midnight. Oh. And then what did you do?
15: Well, then I really got mad. You can just imagine standing up there.
11: Yes, in a thunderstorm. Yes. And then what did you say to yourself?
15: Well, then I said, um, why don't you go home and get tight?
11: Uh, uh, but you didn't do that. Didn't I? No. Well, uh, maybe you took a little one every hour for about a month.
15: (laughs) Can you blame me?
11: Oh, I should say not. The least I could have done was send you a note.
15: Oh, well, maybe by the time you thought of it, you didn't know where to reach me.
11: But you swore that if you ever saw me again, you'd uh, ask, uh, didn't you?
15: No. No, I remember we said that uh, if we could make it, we'd be there. And uh, if one of us didn't show up, there must have been a darn good reason. Like what? So there'll be no more questions asked. I hope. Cigarette?
11: No, thank you, Terry.
15: Thank you, Michael.
11: You know, uh, I walked all the way here ten blocks to wring your beautiful neck. And instead, I promised not even to ask you why you weren't there. You knew that was why I came.
16: Mm-hmm.
11: Yes. Well, no uh, wedding ring, I see. No. Oh, I thought of the, uh...
15: Theater last night? Hmm. No, no, he was... No.
11: Well, I, I didn't mean to offend you.
15: How's everything with you, Michael?
11: Oh, you can ask questions.
16: <laughs> I guess so.
11: Well... I thought everything was fine till I saw you. And then I knew there must be something between us. Even if it's only the ocean. So I bought myself a ticket.
15: Oh, you're sailing?
11: Tonight. You're, uh... You're happy, aren't you?
15: Yes. And you?
11: Well, I don't know. I'm worried about the future. What will people think of me? They'll say, uh... There goes Andre, the mad painter. There's something the matter with him. He doesn't like women.
15: You mean he won't even speak to them? Oh, yes,
11: yes. He sails the seven seas. And to every woman he meets, he says, uh, where will you be in six months? And <laughs> they're there? Everywhere. Tall buildings, pyramids, everywhere. Waiting, waiting, waiting. And where is he? Waiting. You want to change the subject? Yes.
15: Merry Christmas, Michael.
11: Merry Christmas. mm <laughs> Six months ago, who'd have thought we'd be spending Christmas together? Oh, I—I I almost forgot. I brought you a present.
15: Oh, I, I'm sorry. I haven't one for you. I didn't know I'd be seeing you.
11: Well, it isn't really a Christmas present. It's uh, a shawl.
15: A shawl. Her shawl. That's why my letters came back.
11: Yes, she died five months ago. I would have sent it to you, except I didn't know the address until today. Beautiful. Yeah. Put it on. She wanted you to have it. Well, goodbye, Terry.
15: Bye, Michael.
11: You know, the way you look now, I painted you like that. With a shawl. <laughs> Wish you'd seen it. Ruby said it was my best. I didn't think I'd ever part with it. But there's no reason for my keeping it anymore girl came into courbet's shop about a week ago he told me about her she saw in the painting what i hope you'd see so i told courbet to send it to her because he said she was poor and not only that she was Oh, well anyway i said i said send it to her it's the christmas season and if she can't afford uh, well you know me, big-hearted Michael. Yes. What's behind this screen? Oh, no, no,
15: don't, don't, don't. It's, it's nothing, really. It's nothing.
11: My picture. My lady with a shawl. Michael. You know, there's one thing more Courbet told me about the girl. You know, the girl he gave my picture to? She'd been hurt in an oh, accident.
7: please,
15: please. Don't say
11: any more. Oh, Terry, why didn't you tell me? If anything had to happen to either of us, why did it have to be you?
15: Darling, don't look at me like that. It was nobody's fault but my own. I was looking up at the 102nd floor. You see, it was the nearest thing to heaven because you were there. Oh,
11: Terry. Terry, I'm not going I'm never going. You'll be well again.
16: Oh, darling, of
15: course I will. After all, if you can paint, I can walk.
23: Happy ending to love affair brings us another happy moment. The return of Irene Dunn and William Powell for well deserved curtain calls. Thank you, Cecil. It's
11: always a pleasure to come back to the Lux Radio Theater.
15: The place hasn't changed a bit, has it, Bill?
11: Well, I think Cecil has installed a new gum machine. I put a nickel in today and actually got some gum out of it.
23: Oh. <laughs> That's purely an accident, Bill. I'll have it fixed in the morning. <laughs> However, aside from your contributions to the gum machine, we really have missed you both.
7: Oh, that's
15: nice to know, Mr. DeMille. But out of sight is never out of mind for the Lux Radio Theater, as long as there's Lux soap. I use it myself all the time, and I can sincerely recommend it to any woman as a gentle and thorough complexion care.
23: Words of wisdom, Irene, from a lovely example. Bill, what's this I've heard about you writing a detective
11: story? <laughs> Exaggeration, I'm afraid, Cecil. So far, no producer thinks it's a story.
15: Well, I've often wondered how it's done, Bill. Do you start out with the crime or the solution when you make up your plot?
11: I started with the problem, Irene, but unfortunately, on my first attempt, I invented a perfect crime. I found it was impossible to solve.
23: <laughs> Shades of the thin man. You're disillusioning millions, Bill.
11: <laughs> well... I start out again with the answer and work backwards. If you ever write a detective story, Cecil, I advise that.
23: Thanks. I'll let you know. At the moment, there's next week's play to think about.
15: What is that, Mr. DeMille? Well,
23: next Monday night, we're going to have two of the nation's favorite radio stars in the Lux Radio Theater. Fibber McGee and Molly. And the play is Mama Loves Papa. (laughs) It was a great hit on the screen, the story of a happily married suburban couple with Fibber McGee as the average citizen who accidentally gets into politics, and Molly as his wife. I promise you that Fibber's adventures in politics are just what you might
11: expect. Prospect, the next week looks very brilliant, Cecil. Good night. Good night. Good night. We'll hang out our our lucky star to bring you both back
23: soon. Our sponsors, the makers of Luxe Toilet Soap, Join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday night when the Lux Radio Theater presents Fibber McGee and Molly in Mama Loves Papa. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood.
11: in tonight's play were Gail Gordon as Kenneth, B. Benaderet as Grandmother, Lou Merrill as Courbet, Frank McGlynn as Superintendent, Linda Douglas as Lois, Warren Ash as a doctor, Sarah Selby as Miss Lane, Phillips Teed as a painter, James Eagles as Elevator Boy, Tony Martelli as a photographer, Ralph Sedan as a guide, Edward Marr as Taxi Driver, Griff Barnett as a priest, the Bryan Sisters as the trio, and Barbara Jean Wong as Bobby Larson, and Joe Panario as children. Irene Dunn will soon be seen in the RKO picture, My Favorite Wife, which was produced by Leo McCary and directed by Garson Kanan. William Powell will shortly begin work in the MGM production, I'm In Love Again. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers, and your announcer has been Melville Ruick.
23: This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: Okay, last, last last but not least, this is my strawberry with whipped cream that I stick on top of the Sunday every week and it's a little off the beaten path. Um, um you know, most of the shows they have something in common and um this one, well, actually, this one does too with this week's theme. But usually, it's a little off the beaten path. Uh, and but this one is—it's called Honest Harold, and Harold is played by Harold Perry, who played the Great Gildersleeve. And if you thought he was a nut, in Gildersleeve, he's a nut in this one, too, so, <laughs> and, and, um, Honest Harold. he's always got this lady that wants to flirt with him, but, um, yeah, that's what it's called, Mistaken Valentine, hope y'all enjoy
11: show yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah And now Harold Perry as Honest Harold
4: the Homemaker.
11: Well, let's look in on the honest Harold household in the little town of Melrose Springs. It's early morning now, and we find Harold just coming in to breakfast in a cheery Valentine
12: mood. Well, good morning, Mother. Good morning, Harold. Ah. <laughs> I want to thank you for that sweet valentine you left on the waffle iron for me. Oh, did you like it, Mother? Oh, yes, such a sweet sentiment. Mm. Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm a lucky boy to have a mother like you.
25: Yeah, and I sure am, Mother.
12: <laughs> did you make that up yourself, Harold?
25: Uh-huh. Guess I'm kind of a poet, Mother. I wrote all my own valentines this year. Finished them last night.
24: Oh.
25: Yeah, here's the one I'm going to send to my boss, Stanley Peabody. <laughs> Wait old Prissy Pants Peabody sees this. (laughs) It's addressed to Dear Yogurt Face. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to this, Mother. You belong in the kitchen with the muffins and the bran. You've got a shape just like a skillet and old brother, what a pan. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And I made some nice valentines for old Doc Yak Yak and Pete. And for Theodora, of course, I... Wrote a real romantic one. <laughs>
12: <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I'll bet you two will have a wonderful time at the Valentine costume party tonight.
25: Yeah. Guess we'll look pretty cute dressed as Romeo and Juliet.
12: Oh, oh, that reminds me. I mustn't forget to dye your tights today.
25: Oh, yes. That's right, Mother. Well, better hurry up and get down to the radio station for my morning program. When are you going to
12: deliver your valentines, Harold? Hmm?
25: Oh, cousin Raymond promised to deliver them for me if he ever wakes up this morning.
12: Well, I-, I think he stayed up rather late last night writing a romantic valentine to his sweetheart Gloria.
25: Oh, well.
12: But I'm sure he'll be up soon. Then he'll deliver your valentines on winged feet like Mercury. Y-
5: Mercury. Oh.
7: Good morning. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
25: Hello,
4: Raymond. Hi, Cousin Harold.
7: Well,
12: here's Mercury.
25: Yeah, Mercury. Looks <laughs> like his battery is run down.
12: Right down, Raymond. I'll get you an oatmeal. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's it.
25: Well, my boy, you finish composing your valentine to little Gloria? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed up till two o'clock writing it You did, eh? Well, let's hear it, Raymond Oh <laughs> Oh, come on now Don't be bashful All right Here it is mm. You're a little
17: snooky wookie With your eyes of baby blue <laughs> I'll be your sugar cookie
25: If you'll be my cutie-poo
17: <laughs>
7: yeah, very
25: nice, Raymond
7: Thanks oh. Raymond, will you
25: please wake up? You know you promised to deliver my Valentine's for me this morning. Oh, yeah. I'll be careful you don't get them mixed up. Now, this one goes to Stanley Peabody. You just sneak into his office and put it on his desk while he's not looking. And this one, to a wonderful friend, goes to Pete the Marshal. And here's old Doc Yak Yak's right here. And this big one is for Theodora. Oh, you got that all straight? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> wonder if this is such a good idea <laughs> All right quiet musicians it's time to go on the air Oh where's my ukulele Oh okay hit it Yasha Good morning ladies This is your old friend, Honest Harold, the homemaker, bringing you an hour of household hints, humor, and harmony. And now, girls, since today is St. Valentine's Day, I want to sing a little song in honor of the occasion.
5: Love is the sweetest thing. What else on earth could ever bring such happiness? To everything, as love's old story. Love is the strangest thing. No song of birds upon the wing shall in our hearts more gently sing than love's old story. Whatever heart may desire Whatever pain may send This is the tale that never will tire This is the song to the end Love is the greatest thing The oldest yet the latest thing, I only hope that fate may bring love story to you.
25: Raymond's delivered the Valentine's by now think I'll drop into Stanley's office that he's really burned up over that poem You'll <laughs> never guess I wrote it Dear yogurt face, <laughs> come
4: in Oh, good morning, Hemp
25: Hello, Stanley, just happened to be passing your little door, thought I'd drop in <laughs> I see Hemp, I've just been looking at this Valentine somebody left on my desk Oh, that's so?
7: Well,
11: I wonder who it's from I know who it's from Oop, you do? yes there's only one person in this
25: station who uses a ten-cent ballpoint pen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
7: that.
25: Stanley, I hope you're not mad. Mad?
1: Why, that's one of the sweetest valentines I've ever received. Huh? <laughs> and I was touched by the way you addressed it to a wonderful friend. Oh, my goodness, he got
11: Pete's.
7: <laughs> and I
1: love the last two lines. Oh? We're two old pals like Damon and Pythias. I know our friendship will always be with you.
7: <laughs> I didn't
25: know you
1: felt that way about me,
25: Harold. I didn't either.
11: <laughs> really quite touched.
1: Oh, shucks. You know, we should spend an evening together sometime. Huh? Maybe play a few rubbers of Lotto.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's do
25: that sometime, Stanley. Well, see you later, Stanley. And drop in the office any time at all, Harold. We'll split a bottle of yogurt. Yogurt? Oh, sure. We'll have a lost weekend together sometime. (laughs) Well,
5: got to be going. Goodbye, Damon. Who? Oh, yes. Goodbye, Pythias.
25: (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I should have known Sleepy Raymond would get the Valentine's mixed up. Never trust a relative. Say, wonder who he gave Stanley's to. Suppose Theodora got it. I'd have an awful time explaining that to dear yogurt face.
7: Hello, Harold. Uh
17: Hello. Gloria. Happy Valentine Day.
25: Thanks. Hey, Gloria, did you see Raymond down here this morning?
17: Yes, I did.
25: <laughs> <laughs> Wait till I see him. That boy's walking around in his sleep.
17: Oh, that explains
25: it. Explains what?
17: Well, he kissed the water cooler and put a Dixie cup in my hand.
25: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, there's no telling who he gave that comic valentine to. If Theodora got it, she'll never go to the party with me tonight.
8: Oh, I wouldn't worry about that, Harold. What? I know somebody who'd like to go with you. Who's that? My mother.
25: Uh, Very nice of your mother, Gloria She's
17: coming down the station to see me this morning So if you'd like to talk to her Well,
25: some other time, Gloria You see, I've got a What's that?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like an air
25: raid warning It's my mother, Harold? Zeef trapped
17: if it isn't, Mr. Hemp. Oh, hello,
5: Mrs. O'Day.
17: <laughs> well, imagine we two meeting like this on St. Valentine's Day. Tis kismet.
25: Tis who's met? <laughs> uh,
17: fate, fate. Fate, Mr. Hemp. Fate? Oh. Yes. Are you familiar with the rubiat of Omar Khayyam?
7: Ha. Oh. <laughs> a
17: loaf of bread, a jug of wine, and thou...
25: Well, not today, thanks. Mother's made some meatloaf for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose you're going to the Valentine
17: costume party tonight. Well, I
25: sort of hope so.
17: (laughs) I'll be there, too. Good. (laughs) Don't tell anyone, please, but I am going as the Queen of Egypt. Oh. (laughs) You'll recognize me. I'll be wearing a
7: long train.
25: Oh, well, I'll be in tights with a short caboose.
7: Oh, <laughs> 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 <Bye>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
25: that Raymond. Well, maybe Theodora didn't get Stanley's valentine. Could have been Doc or Pete. I'll drop in and see Pete first. Hello, Pete. Hello, Harold. Pete, just wondering if you got my valentine. Yeah.
0: I got it, boy. Ah. Well, which one did you get? The one you sent me. (laughs) I like the way you addressed it, boy. To my (laughs) adorable. Got the one Raymond wrote for glory. And I thought that poem you wrote me was beautiful. But you're a little snooky wookie with your eyes of baby blue. <laughs> I do declare, Harold, when I read that, I blushed clear down to my toes. People, <laughs> will you stop being so silly? The whole thing's a mistake. And that last part, Harold. I'll be your sugar cookie if you'll be my cutie poo. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write that. Raymond did. Well, now that was mighty thoughty of you, him. Yeah. Why, I hardly know the boy. Thought <laughs> he.
7: Tell yeah. him I
0: think he's a cutie poo, too. Yeah. Oh, cutie poo yourself. Well, thanks.
7: Oh.
25: Doc's my last chance. I hope he got that valentine. Come on, you old horse doctor.
9: Come in.
22: Hello, Doc. Oh, hello, Harold. Uh, I'm mad at you. Uh, Oh, you are? Well, I guess Doc got it all right. Uh, That's a fine way to treat an old friend. Well, Doc, I can explain it. You see, I didn't mean to send you that valentine. Harold, you didn't send me any valentine. What? What? Oh, my goodness, Raymond forgot him altogether. Forgotten on Valentine's Day by my oldest friend. But, Doc, I meant to send you on. Oh, was... it's all right. Who am I? Just an old horse doctor. Doc, will you listen to me? My animals didn't forget me on Valentine's Day. Why, this morning, Torrance my airedale, came in and laid a red-heart label right at my feet. <laughs> doc, that dog
25: has got more sense than you have.
22: Well, naturally, he's an Airedale.
25: <laughs> there must be some answer to that, but I can't think of it. See you later. Uh, looks like Raymond gave that comic Valentine to Theodore, all right. Well, might as well drop into the dancing academy and try and explain it to her. I'll just win it. And... Hey, what's that sticking out of the door there? Yeah, it's Stanley's Valentine. Looks like I got here just in time. <laughs> just get down here in my hands and knees. Just a little corner of it sticking out. I can get a hold of it. Come here, little Valentine. Come
15: to
7: Papa.
25: Ooh, it. Now I've pushed it inside. I know. I'll just reach up, open the door real quiet like, turn the door knob. Easy does it. times. <Brewing> <hawaii> <pharmaceutical>
7: Why, Harold?
25: Oh, Theodora!
22: <laughs> what are you doing down there? Uh, I'm um, just checking your weather stripping.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
24: Why, Harold? You were putting a Valentine under my door. Ah, uh,
22: well, you see. Uh...
17: Let me see what it says. But um... I bet it's something real romantic. <laughs> Dear Yogurt Face. <laughs> yogurt
5: Face. I mean, Theodora. Let me
25: explain.
15: I think I'll read the rest of it. Uh... You've got a shape just like a skillet. Well, that's very funny. Yeah, isn't it?
7: (laughs) Oh,
25: brother. You see, the whole thing was a mistake.
15: It certainly was. And you can just get someone else to
25: go with you to that costume party tonight. Theodore, I've got my Romeo suit already. My tights
5: are drying on the line right now.
7: (laughs) There is
16: the door. Goodbye. Uh,
5: Goodbye. Ah,
25: shut up. (laughs) <laughs> Will I get my hands on Cuz Raymond uh, I wonder who got the valentine I wrote for Theodora The real romantic one Somebody must
7: yeah. oh, God, Mrs. Day uh, Mr.
17: Hemp, when I got home What do you think I found on my porch?
25: A box of Girl Scout cookies?
17: No, no, a valentine from you.
5: <laughs> oh, brother.
17: And you wrote me such a charming, charming poem. Ah. When you get to the ball, my queen of beauty, look for the man in the Romeo suitie. Mrs. <laughs> O'Day. <laughs> oh, I'll see you at the party tonight. Romeo, oh, Romeo.
7: Wherefore art thou, Romeo? I don't know.
11: <laughs> we will return for the second act of our story, Honest Herald, in just a moment. It's the fight of the year. Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta... For the middleweight championship of the world. Tonight? And it's on CBS exclusively tonight. All the color, all the action, these two brilliant fighters are bound to bring. Yes, they'll be here just a little later tonight on most of these same CBS stations. Thanks, Bob. Don't miss the fight of the year. Sugar Ray Robinson versus Jake LaMotta on CBS exclusively. And now back to Harold Perry as Honest Harold the Homemaker. Well, this hasn't been a very happy day for honest Harold. His little messenger of love, Cousin Raymond, has managed to deliver the right Valentines to all the wrong people. And now Harold's love life is all mixed up. We find Romeo at home now discussing his problem with his mother
25: and Cousin Raymond.
12: Gee, Cousin Harold, I'm sorry I got your valentines all mixed up.
25: Oh, uh, it's all right, my boy.
12: Harold, maybe you can make up with Theodora at the party tonight.
25: Yeah, uh, won't get a chance to with Mrs. O'Day on my trail. And I can't dodge her. She knows I'm going to be in my Romeo suitie. Oh. Yeah, uh, I there's just one thing to do. I won't go to the party at all.
12: But, son, you've been looking forward to it for so long.
25: Yeah, but what the heck, Mother. Wouldn't be any fun this way. I'll just stay in my little room. Look out the window and watch the television next door.
7: Harold, <laughs> I just
25: woke up. Yeah. It's about time.
17: No, I mean, I just got an idea. Why don't you wear a different costume tonight and Mrs. O'Day won't know who you are? That's a wonderful idea,
25: Harold. Hey, I'd work at that. Sure. What kind of a costume could I get? Wonder if they have hop along Cassidy suits my size.
5: Well, <laughs> uh,
25: Harold,
12: I know what you could go as. Oh, what's that? A beard. What? You can wear that old bearskin we have up in the attic. The one Grandpa Clem prepped shot in the polar zone.
17: Where?
7: <laughs> oh, there. Yes. All I
17: have to do is sew the tail
25: back on. Mother, you know, I think you've got something. Nobody would recognize me in that.
22: Yeah, I'll go up and get it for you, Cousin Harold.
25: All right, Raymond. But don't take a nap on that bearskin. Oh.
17: Uh. Well, just think, you're going to be a bear.
25: Yeah, Mother. Guess this is my night to growl. Well, how do I look? Oh, you look swell, cuz, just like a real bear. Really? (laughs) Kind of hot in here, though. Lucky I got these bullet holes for ventilation. Uh,
17: oh,
7: hold still,
12: Harold. I'm sewing on your tail. Yeah,
25: yeah. All right, Mother. One stitch. One
12: stitch. Another stitch. Another stitch. Another stitch. Another st- mm. Watch it, Mother. <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
24: There.
12: Now your tail won't come
25: off when you twirl. <laughs> Thanks, Mother. Let's see how I look in the mirror. Yipe. Is that me? Look pretty ferocious, all right. I'd hate to have to brush these teeth every day.
7: <laughs>
25: I wonder if I can dance in this outfit. May I have this waltz, Mother? Why, of course. Well,
5: mother was there with a the cinnamon bear, and the band played on.
12: You held your ma, and then I took your paw, and,
7: and the, the band played on. on.
25: This is certainly fun. I bet I'm the first bear that ever drove in Essex. <laughs> yeah, I hope this bear skin don't shed on these new seat covers.
7: Well,
25: this may work out all right. Oop, didn't see the signal change. Oop, and there's a car right in front of me.
7: Oh! Mm.
25: Right, I ran right into him. Oop, there goes my headlight again. Getting out of his car. Here he comes. Well, Stanley Peabody. <laughs> Here's where I have some fun.
0: Of all the stupid drivers I've ever seen, why
1: don't you look
25: like. No! Oh!
7: It's a bear! Help! Help! <laughs>
25: <laughs> well, I've got plenty of time. <laughs> Think I'll drop in and see Doc. Throw a scare on the old veterinarian. <laughs> I'll get down on all fours.
22: Yeah. Come in.
25: Watch him jump when he sees a bear
7: walk in. Whoa.
22: Well, hello, little bear.
7: What can I do
22: for you? You didn't faze him a bit. Now, just have a chair. There's one patient ahead of you. What a character. There's some old Reader's Digest on the table if you want to look through (laughs) it. Oh, you're in a hurry. All right, little bear, I'll take you first. Oh, my goodness. How did you happen to come here? Did another patient recommend me? Or did you see my ad in the phone book? Now, tell me, have you ever had night sweats? I'm having one right now, Doc This is me (laughs) I knew it all the time, Harold (laughs) I'm going to
25: wear this thing to the costume party tonight, Doc
22: Oh? Yeah, you see, I'm going as a bear because... Oop What's that? Oh, that's Arthur, my goat He just got your scent, Harold Yeah, well, he can have it, too (laughs) (laughs) Doc, I don't like the way he's glaring at me
25: Tell him I'm not really a bear, Doc (laughs) Arthur! It's your old friend, Honest Harold. Don't you know me?
7: No.
25: <laughs> doc! He's got his head down. He's going to charge.
5: <laughs> See you later, Doc. <laughs>
7: <laughs> 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 I made it.
22: Eric? And... Yes, Doc? Here's your tail.
7: (laughs) Thanks. Goodbye.
2: Big crowd here at the dance.
25: Now they can just find Theodora. Oop, there's Mrs. O'Day, the Queen of Egypt. Well, what I'm worrying about, you'll never recognize. Hello, Harold. Shoo, Raymond, quiet. What? Mrs. O'Day will hear you. Oh. Yes.
22: How do you like my costume? I'm that famous pirate, Black Jack.
25: Okay, well, get out of here, Black Jack, before you gum the things up.
7: <laughs> oh,
25: my goodness, the kid's been hitting the sarsaparilla again. <laughs> Wonder where Theodore is. I don't see any Juliet's. Take a look in the foyer. Maybe she's out there. We're crowded in here, too. Excuse me. <laughs> I can just. Mister, watch that sword. <laughs> Admiral Dewey. Got his hat on backwards. I made it. Mm, sure, dark in this foyer. Can't see it. There, somebody's sitting over there on that divan. She's wearing a red cape. Theodora has a red cape like that. This is my chance to make up a it. Theodora. It's your Harold E. Won't you say hello? Oh, don't be mad, honey. I can explain that, Valentine. Please forgive me. Darling, speak to me.
0: What do you want me to say, cutie-poo? <laughs> Tea.
7: What are you doing
0: in that blonde wig? Why, I'm Little Red Riding Hood, and I've heard all about you, Wolf.
7: <laughs> oh, goodbye.
25: Uh, I wonder where. Oh, uh, there's Theodora. Gosh, she looks as beautiful as Juliet. I'll just sneak over there and surprise.
7: Oh, my
17: good! Oh. <laughs> Hello, little bear.
5: Mrs. O'Day.
17: Oh my, but you're
5: cute. <laughs> oh,
17: you big dad bear. <laughs> hmm. uh, I'm looking for Mister Hemp. Have you seen Romeo tonight?
7: No. Oh,
5: I wonder where he
17: could be. I don't
7: know. <laughs> well.
17: I I think I'll just stay here with you. Oh,
7: brother. <laughs> oh,
17: you're an awfully cute little bear. I think I'm going to tickle you behind the ear like this. <laughs> yeah,
7: yeah. Cut that
25: out. Stop tickling me. Mrs. Moday. W- w- what? what? <laughs> Mr.
17: Ham, is that you in there?
22: Well, yeah. <laughs> Why you naughty boy?
17: <laughs> Were you trying to hide from me? Me? No. Oh, well now, I'm not going to let you get out of my my uh, arms.
25: Gesundheit.
17: Oh my goodness. Oh my nose tickles. I wonder what's the matter with me.
25: Well, maybe um, you're allergic to bears.
17: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I I'm only allergic to spices.
25: Yeah, but I'm a cinnamon bear.
7: Oh. <laughs>
17: Then I'd better stay far away from you all evening.
25: Yeah, good idea.
17: Yes. Farewell. <laughs> farewell.
25: Farewell.
7: <gasps> <Boom>. <gasps>
25: <gasps> <laughs> Gosh, am I glad I wore this cinnamon bear suit.
7: Hello,
15: Harold.
25: Huh?
15: How's my little teddy bear?
17: Theodora. Raymond explained to me about that valentine. He
7: did. Mm hmm.
17: I'm sorry I misunderstood. That's all right. Mm -hmm. And just to show you I forgive you, I'm going to give you a big kiss. A
25: kiss? (laughs) Just a minute, I'll take off this bear head.
17: I'm waiting.
25: Ye gods, I forgot Mother sewed it on.
17: (laughs) (laughs) Then I can't kiss you.
25: Oh, well, what the heck. Just tickle me behind the ear. Little farther back, Theodora. <laughs> <laughs>
5: You have
11: just heard the Harold Perry show, Honest Harold.
25: Can't get the head off,
4: them.
11: <laughs> the supporting players tonight included Jane Morgan, Parley Bear, Olin Soleil, Eddie Firestone, Isabel Randolph, and Mari Alden, and featured Gloria Holiday as Gloria and Joseph Kearns as Old Doc Yak Yak. Who directed Norman McDonald directed, and the music was composed and conducted by Jack Meekin. Honest Harold, created by Harold Perry, was written by Gene Stone and Jack Robinson. Remember, there are two big events still coming along on CBS tonight. Only on CBS will you hear the broadcast of the Sugar Ray Robinson Jake LaMotta battle. I'm
25: gonna listen to it if I can get the head off.
11: And now stay tuned for Bing Crosby, with the lovely Dorothy Kirsten as his guest. The Bing Crosby Show follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. Bob Lamont speaking.
7: This
0: is CBS, where you thrill to suspense on Thursday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: Well, I hate to do it, ladies and gents, but um, this closes up another week of arts, as we call it for short, or the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday. And Before I go I want to make sure that you have Our contact information um, If you want to send an email to me With all your gripes and grumbles Or your likes and loves Or whatever uh, My email address is afternoon radio theater Sunday At gmail.com Now, let me spell that out for you so that you'll uh, make sure you get the right Sunday in there. It's Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday S-U-N-D-A-E like ice cream at gmail.com um, If you want to write to the boss um, you can get him at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway at gmail.com. Although I hope you'll be writing to me if you've got comments. Um, if you uh you can follow us on Facebook at Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway. And you can get us on Twitter at Blind Whos, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E, um, the YouTube channel, uh, Whose Blind Life is it anyway, and the same for Facebook, but I think I already said that. Um, and you can get us on uh, Whatever podcast player You like We're, we're on them all um, Qcast uh, Spotify Apple Orange, Coconut <laughs> Wherever you want to find us We're out there No, Seriously though You, you can't on any of the podcast um, Places You ought to be able to pick us up So, until next week, until next week at this time, this is Pepsi Mama saying bye and happy Valentine's and have a great week.